Consumers Podcast. My name is Justin Hurd. I'm David Simon. Dave Ferguson. And this is our inaugural podcast. Uh, this should be interesting because I don't think any of us have done this before. Um, so we've uh, talked about it for uh, <laughs> going on when you were having Graham. So that's two years ago. And then I was always a pussy and never came over because I'm an introvert and I don't like other humans. And we just turned that explicit tag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we fucking go. <laughs> so um, Morning, there will be a language. Yeah, I guess we should have let you know beforehand. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, so um, let's introduce ourselves. My, as I said, my name's Justin. I am a store manager with Vintage Stock, uh, which is a small regional um, specialty retail. Do movies, music, video games, all that good stuff. I've got two kids. I'm a writer with four completed novels. So, uh, yeah, I rock it. Um, since the kind of intent of this podcast is to be a general media podcast with a focus on movies, but we're going to talk about television series, um, video games, books, just whatever we have been consuming. So um, just for to let you guys know how I view movies is I when I watch them, I look at them as a writer. I look at a way to improve them. So... If some bullshit comes up that just doesn't make any sense, I am all for being like, oh, man, that, you know, it doesn't make any sense for this to happen. And we'll go on long rants about how much better it would be if we changed it. Well, I I happen to be the film purist here. I view film uh, the way the director intends the film to be viewed. and I will argue Justin till I'm blue in the face or dead so, um, on whether or not <laughs> you should do this. <laughs> so um, I, I am a big fan of fan edits, and that, oh, makes, fan edits. And that, and that makes Ferguson cringe. <laughs> um, but just so if anybody wants to look into them, the one to look at, because all of us have seen Star Wars, it's called War of the Stars, the Star Wars Grindhouse. Wow. So... Um, since my introduction's running a little bit long, I won't get into that at this moment, but I'm sure we'll we'll get into it at some point. But look up War of the Stars. Just see a trailer. It's amazing. Uh, I am Nathan Simon. I am currently a substitute teacher and piece of literature. I write mostly poetry. Uh, I've been writing about 12 years. Um, I was on a slam team a long time ago. Uh, I mostly... I will be the resident comic book nerd, uh, so you will probably hear most of the comic book talk from, from me, most of them. Well, technically, I do run a comic book store. I know, but, but I'm talking about from, <laughs> from, the, from the perspective of someone who's read them since they were a kid and off and on, back and forth. Uh, I appreciate high levels of writing, but sometimes I will also read the dumbest thing in the world because this art is really amazing. Um... For me, movies, uh, I tend to look a lot at symbolism. I've been studying more and more film structure and how a lot of that stuff works. Uh, but I, sometimes I will give things a pass through refrigerator logic, and other times I will be like, that is a plot fucking hole you drive a Mac truck. Okay. See, honestly, for me, plot holes really don't bother me that much. Plot holes, you know, plot holes are like, but it will literally ruin a film. It does, but, but, but it's like, okay, for me, like, what I notice is, um, I'll take the movie Moulin Rouge. 
There are people who will nitpick, like, the fact that her fucking hair jumps back and forth on her shoulder. I have watched that movie literally, literally, using it correctly here, over 70 times. When I was 16, my girlfriend at the time and I watched it multiple times a day for the entire summer. So I know I at least saw it 60 times when I was in high school. At one point, I missed six lines in the two-hour and six-minute-long movie. <laughs> I recited it as it went along. The girlfriend at the time did not want me to recite it. She was joking. I found this out years later. <laughs> Though she did stay with me for another year and a half, so, you know, I did something right there. Um, but there's a scene near the end of it where you literally watch John Leguizamo hanging. He's hanging from a rafter or, or, you know, from whatever. You then, if you're watching very carefully, can see him reach for a rope and then be holding on to the rope. And then it shows him fall off the frame, not with no rope present, and then shows him, it cuts to him swinging from the rope to fall. All completely desperate elements that all made it into the final film. And I'm like, oh yeah, that, 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 that. But I can't see his fucking hair flipping. I, I, I don't know what's wrong, so... Well, it was such an anachronistic movie in the first place, you know. All the music in it is, and that's why, and that's why it's good. Slam bang. I don't know. I I've never made it through that. I have I, no, severe issues with that. I have a few. Okay, well, okay. Views. Great Gatsby is horrible, but the reason it's horrible for me is that it is a literal ripoff of Moulin Rouge. Like they even use the same framework, where wouldn't technically Moulin Rouge be a no, no, no. It's it's the fra- it's the it's the movie version framework. Okay, um, because I, yeah, I was have you have you seen the new one? What Greg Gatsby? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. Right, well, it's true, 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 true. Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, well, here here's the thing. I I loved Baz Luhrmann up until um Australia. Or whatever it was. Yo, oh, where Hugh Jackman plays someone other than Wolverine in a film true, where he true. plays what? an Australian, which he already fucking is. You mean Gone with the Wind? <laughs> anyway, um, I loved him. I loved him. Sorry, real quick. I loved him up to that point, but you see Great Gatsby, and it's the same framework as Moulin Rouge. It's after the person has died. Spoilers. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. After, but, 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 okay. So, Moulin Rouge, it starts with him after Satine has died, and he is an alcoholic trying to figure it out. Then we go to Great Gatsby. It's after Gatsby has died. He's in an insane asylum, and the guy tells him, hey, write it out. Which is what he does in Moulin Rouge in order to cope with it. It's the exact same setup without singing. Now, do you like Moulin Rouge simply because you've watched it 70 times and you feel like maybe... It's like you no, might have, I, like, Munchausen <laughs> when it comes to this film. Well, I, I actually also love... Like, um, what if you've never seen Moulin Rouge and then you watch The Great Gatsby? Do you have the same opinion? I, w- I wouldn't have... Obviously, I wouldn't have the same opinion about it being the same as Moulin Rouge. It's still a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> because just the whole framework of it is just like, hey, surprise! Nick actually wrote it. This <laughs> makes entirely no sense. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, that, that's plot that completely makes the film fall apart. So, my introduction has sparked a debate. Already, you can tell what we would probably go off 
on payments repeatedly. Uh, I'm Nathan and my wife. Uh, yeah, so I'm Dave Ferguson. Uh, I'm married uh, for nine fucking years. Uh, two kids. Which is, is actually a falsehood, but we'll let that slide. Yeah, so we've actually only been married for one year in what is today, October 4th. So one year... One month and five days, and <laughs> not uh, that he's counting. Not that I'm counting, but we've been together since uh, uh, for, for over nine years now. Uh, I uh, it's really hard to explain what I do with my job. I'm a zoning law conformance analyst. So you want to kill yourself? It is definitely a tedious gig, but it's stress free, and I fucking like stress free. Um, I get to play board games at work. Yeah. <laughs> I get to listen to music or podcasts or books on tape all day long. So I. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot. That's, that's, that's so that so we see how this ranks in the hierarchy. Well, <laughs> man. Right, well, no, I think it was. So do we need we to watch? So time? far off on the table. <laughs> Like so, so I guess the question is, do we need to watch Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married 1 and 2? No. <laughs> no. I am married. I've been married for three years. Uh, in, in don't the, have children. We do not have children. Don't have children. This isn't a, I, we don't have currently. It's don't. They, they, my children are a delight. I have one that is less than two years old and one that is two months old. They are amazing. They are demons. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> They're amazing at being demons. Uh, but I I like film from the entertainment aspect of film. I like a film to tell a good story, and I like the way uh, film invokes you and it, it draws you into it. And I think that comes from three factors: uh, writing, directing, and acting. And I think first you have to have the right script, and you have to have the director to project that image into an actor's mind, and then that actor has to obviously act it out. I gotta be honest, I'm not as big a film nut as these guys. I'm a TV show guy. I watch TV because I grow attached to things. And uh, so when I want to see a sequel to uh, Inception, it's not because I think that I think the film is right in every way that it should have been done, Justin. <laughs> it's nice to know that you're wrong. <laughs> but I just want to know if Cobb fucking made it, which, by the way, he did because the thing started toppling and gravity doesn't have an effect so in the dream. Um, actually, it does, or otherwise, there yeah, they would not fall. Broken! I can't! I can't! I can't! Okay. Uh, by the way, I hate Inception, but I do see that there are issues with the, the movie. Um, I do think. I, I am a huge fan of art house movies. I don't get to watch them often enough because. We're in Oklahoma? Well, also, the few art house movies that Netflix has. Uh, there's some directors that, like, every Lars von Trier movie I've ever seen, I can't ever get out of my head. <laughs> so I have not watched Melancholia or Nymphomaniac for those reasons. Have you watched Antichrist? I will never watch Antichrist because I do not want to see porn stunt doubles fuck for, uh, uh, <laughs> but what about... and, uh... Are you serious? Yeah, they, no. they got porn star doubles to, to be their actual sex organs in the movie. But he also does cut off his cock, right? I don't know. What the fuck are you watching? It's called Antichrist. Lars von Trier is one of those movies where all his movies are filled with imagery that will live with you. Yeah, like, you getting your cock cut off. 
Which she will I mean, to be fair, I did watch In the Realm of the Senses, which is a Japanese Criterion movie. It's on Hulu, which we are not sponsored by. Either way, but we will be mentioning them. But that one is like, that one is crazy because, you know, Japan has strict, you know, censorship laws. Censorship laws, which they, show Bush. It was filmed in Japan, in Japan, and then sent to France to be edited and then released. And it's full nudity. At one point, it's like about the. It's in feudal Japan, I believe. Um, you guys need to see this fucking movie. But it's in feudal Japan. Can it's about. Me? It's a, well. It's about this lord and his mistress. And at one point. He literally shoves an egg up inside of her, and, yeah, yeah, and then takes it out and eats it. They show that on Hulu. Yeah, they show the insertion of an egg and a vagina. They, they, it's, porn well, it's, 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 not, it's not, it's not, it's not porn. Like you don't see labor and maybe a majority and all this, but you do see. Hey, look. <laughs> That's not just quick editing imagery. No. Nope. And at the end of it, hey, spoiler, she cuts off his cock. Praying mantis cock cutting. <laughs> hey, it's based off but a true story. Question. Yep. Does she have shaved legs? Probably. Broken fucking <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, are, is that is that it for you? you are you good? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, so um, our basic kind of going over general media stuff is going to be called "What Have You Been Consuming." So you guys are kind of familiar with this. Most of the time, it's video games, it's movies, it's whatever. Ours is just general. So Nathan, what have you been consuming? Uh, well, recently, uh, out of the fact that I've been meaning to do it for years because I've always had friends that would be... I remember watching Bobby as a teenager. <laughs> Joss Whedon? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I like Joss Whedon, so I finally started rewatching Bobby. I did the first season. I'm actually... It took me until about the sixth episode. And the sixth episode, uh, which is uh, Don't Kill a Boy on the First Date, uh, totally shifted tone. All of a sudden, the dialogue became not just... Not just punched up, but like straight up, like snapped off the screen. Like you could just feel so, so everything was going. It changed from just being kind of like, oh, this is kind of pop culture banter to I'm gonna fucking stab that vampire. Each character <laughs> has its own distinct language. And so, so I guess my thing is, was this a kind of Firefly situation where they were aired out of order, or was it just no. like him coming into his own, or is it like Batman the Animated Series where they're just like, hey, we did all these in order, but fuck that second episode, Batman and Robin, Christmas. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I can tell they probably did the pilot because you know they didn't have the title sequence in the pilot. But as of the second episode, you can tell that pilot got the whole twelve episode order because okay. in the because throughout the twelve episodes, you see those those shots that they get the title sequence from over the course of the whole the whole season, which is actually kind of funny that they did that way before American Horror Story. In, in, well, in technically, that. American Horror Story they're using fake scenes. Yeah, but they, but but just the idea of like they're setting up every single uh, something in every single episode that okay. you can see uh, that was interesting. But it's just like. It's more, you can tell that as a writer's room, all they, of a they, sudden, they, came together. They, they were all writing on a They knew what they were supposed to do. They knew that, oh wait, this show's actually more about the characters and more about these ideas of like, okay, I'm a teenager, what's a horror concept that can turn something that happens to a teenager? Yeah, you, you know, like, sure. your friend 
joining a new group of friends, well, oh, they're all hypnotized by this werewolf creature thing at the zoo. Or there's uh, the boy that is only erect, only into pleasure because you're you were kind of a bad bad influence and stuff like that. And that's because you had to see you kill vampires in order to get attracted to you. You know, there's all these teenage kind of concepts that he dealt with with like actual. Here's the teenage concept. Here's the horror element that directly connects to it, or supernatural element that directly connects to it, to comment on. And I was, I've been very impressed with how it's much better than my 13 year old self remembers. <laughs> I, I honestly never got into Buffy other than, you know, the movie. And then, you know. Well, what was her name? Fuck, what was her name? I, Swanson. Chrissy Swanson. Yeah. And the, also, by the way, Paul Rubens is amazing. Oh! <laughs> so, but I, you know, watched that movie several times. Never actually watched the television series. Katie and I tried the first episode. We're like, "This is shit. We can't." And everybody's like, "You got to get that through the first season." We're like, "Fuck that. We're not going to suffer through the first season." <laughs> Though we just did that with Arrow, so I guess we're idiots. <laughs> I, you don't like Arrow? Oh, Thea is a fucking oh yeah, she's, yeah. Okay, no, 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 this it's kids speedies storyline and they turn it into his little sister and I'm like but here's the thing. Ah. But here's the thing. Here, here is literally what her character has boiled down to in the first season. That's all I've seen. Is her going? You know, brother, you, no, wait, no, wait, wait, no, wait, no, no. It's brother. I really missed you. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you for trying to rule my life. I'm not gonna be like you, but I'm totally like you. Hey, listen, Oliver. <laughs> I know I've been a bitch. I just really, you know, I, I, I really miss you. But you know, fuck you. But fuck you. <laughs> Dead brother was better than you. Yeah. That's, that is that every is every single episode yeah. in the first season, at least, yeah. is her. Yeah, no, doing I, that. I, I completely agree with that concept. I actually am a huge fan of uh, Arrow just because it's a superhero show that I don't have to go to the movies to watch. So it's okay. I like how you tried to edit that fucking by dropping out there. Yeah. Uh, Did I do that? Yeah, you went. I, I do that because when I'm at work, I try to censor myself because you know it's like a firm and, and that's me doing the jack off jizz motion from. Uh, unfortunately, over. unfortunately, I got it in my eye. Yeah, that's common around yeah. here. Just uh, <laughs> uh, swinging is like monkey poo swinging. Uh, but recently, I have been reading the novel that the film film with the seeds written on. Yeah, it is a very different concept than the film ends up being. You meet Borden's uh, Borden's uh, distant. Uh, isn't or it like two hundred years great, later? No, it's like it's a it's hundred years later. His great grandson. Oh yeah, true. Very yeah, beginning, he's a journalist. He's he, listening to CDs. He's, he's he's getting a call. It's like the ninety. Yeah, yeah. Like, and like so, it's like ninety. It's supposed to be like ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere around there, where cell phones were starting to come up. By the way, them shits were expensive. Yeah. Uh, but. It's uh, and then you immediately go into Borden's story from Borden's point of view, which you, as a writer, I'm really fascinated with how he deals. The the, the worst part of how I see the movie is you already have the endowment of the fact that they're the twins. Spoilers. Uh, they're twins already, and throughout this whole first section, he really they go back and forth on uh, you can tell that the different twins are. 
are writing different chapters, and it really feels like this unreliable narrator process, because you literally have one scene from one perspective that happened this way, and then you have another scene from another perspective. And one thing uh, me and Justin talked about was the fact that the inciting incident uh, is so, so bad. He busts up a spirit spiritist who is Angier, and in the 1800s there were people who would uh, go around and they would do seances, and they would say, pretend you could talk talk to your dead relatives and stuff. Pretend. Yeah. Well, pretend. It, it, it's like um, the movie The Awakening um, had a very simple, a similar, or it was the same idea where she was busting psychics. Um, I'm trying to remember other big um, movies that have that. I don't know. The main thing that I think he was trying to get Like across, Conjuring, I think, may have had something like I that. I think Conjuring did. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, the main thing I think he was trying to get across is that Morgan is supposed to be kind of this... He's like Houdini. Houdini was really against the spiritualists. After his mother died. Uh, yeah, because they, they try to fake all these things and use all these metrics that theater musicians, three theater magicians, would use to make people think that they were, the dead were there and all this stuff. Well, it's kind of like what Penn and Teller do now, where they're just like, they do the mentalist stuff, where they're just like, I am not reading your mind, but here's a book. Flip to a random page. Choose, a, choose one in the middle. Oh, let me guess. It's something about um, life and being happy and stuff. And they're like, yeah, it is. It's like, yeah, of course, that's what these people do. It's a trick. There's no psychic phenomenon. Yeah. Grow the fuck up. Yeah. And, so definitely... Well, Say that the movie has that. But I'm Actually, tell it does talk that. Um, but it is surprising how different the story is already. Well, I would recommend if you do like the Prestige, it's actually worth reading. The, the, well, the, the thing is, is that after he busts up this whole, you know, the spiritualist thing, then Angier starts showing up at his shows, and just somebody will stand up in the middle and go, "He's doing this." And that's that's like all he's doing, and like you know he's just ruining the trick as he's about to finish it. It's not any of this like I'm gonna shoot you your know. hand off. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the rivalry does not get as heated as it does in the movie. But the so I'm gonna bury your think, your assistant alive. Not you know. it's the fact that there's the difference between the American idea of like what a terrible thing is and British idea. <laughs> if you're breaking the performance. That oh, yeah. something that's very, very English. You know, to break the performance aspect is a it, it's insulting. Sure. Because you're you're breaking also really goes into the fact that like because they're the twins, they have this patch. So you know that going patch. into the book? You, you, no, you do not. No, he, no, he, no. he still talks around it. He's like, Oh, I'm totally going to divulge my secret yeah. and then the next the next chapter is like, I'm not gonna divulge my secret. <laughs> I, I thought better of it. Yeah. But it's 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 better written than that. It is. <laughs> But uh, uh, I so, what would you say is what would you say came better to you, the book or the or the film? The two, the one thing is they're totally different animals. So, I mean, if you gun to your head, you got to make a you make a decision. What are you right now? I would say have, uh, have you haven't finished the book. Yeah, yet. that's what's gonna be my I question. Have, I do have the last section, which is Angie's diary to read. Uh, right now. I, I would say the film, but that's because I have not read Andrew's thing. But the, the, thing, the thing also is, is that... Did you finish the... I, I, haven't, okay. I, I haven't even got as far as he has. I, I kind of bailed on it at one point because I was just like, this is... It's not that it's badly written, just I have the film playing in my head and I'm like, man, shit, he killed his wife. <laughs> he may have killed his wife. You know, it, every single time he asks him, it's the wrong brother. 
So he's like, I honestly, you know, part of me says I did, part of me don't, I really don't know. And he's, and he's telling the fucking truth he's the entire time. So here's the way. As, as, as another aside, because this is what we do, obviously, um, there are actually doubters of what is seen in the end of the prestige that it is not a um, a cloning box. That there's like this whole entire um, conspiracy. Well, the reason it, that the whole thing is that hey, there's nothing to say. Hey, those hats weren't. You know, he didn't just buy a bunch of fucking hats and put a bunch of black cats out there. You know, and Ow. and that. And so they make the leap from they make the leap from there's a cloning oh. box to this guy just bought a bunch of fucking hats and cats and just threw them outside in the same place yeah. and they all just kind of hang out and they don't leave. Like they're not there. Well, yeah. the, 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 their thought process and I don't believe it. I totally am, but with the, like, holy shit, fucking cloning box. It's but he could have done it. Yeah, but <laughs> their their thing is that Angier would realize, holy shit, I can't sue this guy. He just kind of scounded with all my money, you know. So I am just gonna pass it off. Like, you know, he figured out Borden's trick and has pointed off, and you know, there's a bunch of mannequins or some shit like that. I don't know, but the whole their kind of whole impetus behind it is that um, is it Jonathan Nolan? Yeah, his his brother says that they argue over what happens in the prestige and then the last line is that you're not really looking it's the whole thing you know yeah. you're seeing you're shown the prestige you're, are, you're, are you watching closely yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you you're not you don't want the truth you just want to be convinced and it's right as she's panning over to the box of mannequins or the box of each dead body and and then it, are you looking black and then so they're like so he's trying to tell us something. This isn't actually what's going on. This is what we're led to believe is going on. Da 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 da. da. And I just think yeah. I, re- I read the whole thing, and it was just like I think you guys are fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole the main reason why that doesn't work is because Angier's pain at never knowing if he was the drowning man of the box them. or yeah. the prestige. Yeah. yeah that line would be so fundamentally shifted. To like, he's there in his death, realizing now, even though he was the prestige, he is dying with the man in the box. Yeah, this is going to ask you is which Angier's is in the box? We don't, you never know. And the thing in the book is that it's a completely different mechanic. Yeah. Well, and also the thing is, is they're, they're, they're prestige materials as opposed to being... Well, well the other thing is, is uh, he doesn't call it the new transport again. That's Borden's trick, is the new transport yeah. In a flash is is okay. uh, is the trick that uh, that uh, Angier does as the great man but it is very different. So the thing is, read it, try and try not to picture the movie while you're. God, I don't it. know that I can. I don't. I, I. It's really hard for me to separate this. Just so. Well, but that's the thing. Is like it is so if different. Ever, if you've ever read Jurassic Park, <laughs> it is so completely different. Oh, like the movie. Um, like, what you don't hear the. Well, Richard is actually a rich, developed character. Well, and like Richard Attenborough, the. Um, the lead thing. He is killed by compies in the first book. Yeah. At the end of the at the end of the movie. Like a tons of people die in yeah. the in the in the book is actually a lot also, of, or, the, you know, kind of a side. Yeah, I mean the old the older girl is a young girl and the boy is the teenager. But, but you do realize she's got a hold of it. Oh yeah. It's Spielberg, man. But also, but also Muldoon is a is a more of a character than just a person randomly in the thing. But that's the thing is that 
I, I do accept that every time I read the book that a movie is based on, and this is something as a comic book fan that I have to, and I just have to deal with this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I imagine, I'm sorry, it's I'm sorry. It's not the X Men movies; it's the Wolverine movies. Well, I will get. To <laughs> I have a lot to say about these. Digital. Well, that's good because it comes out, I think, in two weeks. It's actually available now on DVD. Yeah, so I have a lot of idea. I have a lot to say about it. I'm actually going to buy it when I get home. But as far as just to spite you, as far as comic book recommendations, if you are listening to this and are into comic books, there's a couple of books to pick up right now. Charles Soule's She-Hulk is really incredible. Uh, is that the Marvel Now version? Uh, yeah, yeah, have you read Marvel the... Now. My favorite Marvel character Thor, and now that she has a vagina, I, I want to sleep with her. I have not... I, I did not get that. The issue is actually... The issue where Captain America plays by Falcon, and the issue where uh, Thor King will just actually came out. I have not read them. I did not I'm pretty sure I'm yet. sold out. Uh, I have not purchased them yet. You need to start holding that shit back. But, uh... It's your fucking job as the guy who's got the stuff. Uh, Warren Ellis uh, is writing Supreme Blue Rose, which is, written, which is drawn by an incredible artist named Tugel Lote. And uh, it is very much the David Lynch version of the of the Supreme character that Rob Liebel poorly created as an accident of Superman. Uh, it's very much the you don't really know what's going on in the first issue. Is it is it kind of yeah. like how they reinvented wa- or you know Watchmen characters? You know, no, really? no, it's a total. It's, a, it's it's not trying to reimagine it as like it's just trying to tell a story using these kind of aspects of the supreme character that are there, but like totally going in this weird back to work. Oh, okay, uh, and like he's he's called Supreme Blue Rose because Blue Rose is. Mentioned in the Twin Peaks Firewalk with me as the Blue Rose cases, uh, and those are all, those are what the, the, the moral power case is, is the Blue Rose case. So it's, it's this weird kind of mysterious, you don't really know what's going on yet. Uh, the other thing is Dead Boy Detectives, which is a Sandman, uh, uh, offshoot, uh, involving characters from the Sandman coming from Neil and Nick Gaiman. You have not begun Sandman Overture, which is right now drawn by the greatest comic in regards to live Jade Williams the third. I'm the you, third. <laughs> you need to be picking up uh, their I'm getting I'm getting the special edition ones as water in my box right now. The fourth issue does not come out until December. It will only come out whenever they finish the issue, so do not expect it quickly. But if you're not picking up the issues, do it now. It's worth uh price of admission vastly. Okay, so is that it for your consummation? Uh, that's going to be what that, I Over the last two weeks. Consummation? Sounds like uh, consummation, consummation. Okay. Just wanted to clear up. We're not... We're not... Uh... <laughs> no, man. It's legally binding. Yeah, I was going to say it's now leaking off the table. Uh, uh, mm. yep. uh, so... Basically, uh, what I've been consuming has been over the last couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, just for the last, I know Sons of Anarchy just started again, uh, and it's on its final season. So I've been really interested on in seeing how uh, Charlie Hunnam's character Jax Teller uh, has no 
uh, Yin to his Yang. I don't know if that makes any sense. You guys watch Sons of Anarchy? I just tried to watch the first episode, and we decided to try watching it while Graham was in the room. Yeah. So yeah. we got we got about thirty minutes in. And we were like, you know, this language is fucking horrible in this. <laughs> yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's turn it back to Muppet Treasure Island, which I will be talking about. Uh, by, by the way, it's like it's like turning on True Blood. You know, like, well, to, to, like to be to be fair, five minutes, I'm a true beast, so yeah, I'm a definite. Well, true, true, so. true, to be fair, well, what is also on HBO. I'll be I'll be talking about this during uh, during our main topic, but I did watch most of The Sopranos during the summer with yeah. him in the room, and um, he was watching. He was with me while I finished Dexter earlier this year. So. Uh, <laughs> okay. Back uh, to- so you know, so I, I've been uh, I've been watching Sons and then uh, Ray Donovan on Showtime. Uh, it is a terrific show. It replaced Dexter in that uh, 8 p.m. Uh, uh, Sunday night time slot, uh, and it's actually its uh, highest rated show ever. Uh, it's phenomenal, uh, and it's Liev Schreiber, uh, not Lev. It's Liev. He's very fucking particular about that. John Boyd was like, what could Liev, you know? So, and you can't go wrong with John Boyd. Uh, well, well Liev is a very incredible Shakespearean actor, also, right now, played two of the movies that the movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but he also is... But he played the best saber. Yeah, he played the best saber. Yeah, he played the best saber. Yeah. But he also, if you haven't seen Everything's a Green David, he directed that movie. There was this horror movie he just did, uh, and it was released on iTunes before it was released on in the theater. I'm starting to do that now. I don't understand it. I'm okay with that, because I have a fucking theater bit down here. Yeah, you should describe this. Okay, so so where we're recording this is a 20 by 20 basement. Um, It's about, you know, 700 something square feet added on here. This main room. I've got a nice projector. I've got a T. You know, I've got a got. I've got a, a screen that it's it's very small. It's only 150 inches. Yeah, it's literally like 12 feet by 8 feet. Um, it's yeah, you're you're big. you're actually right. It's 12 feet. Yeah. It, so yeah, it's it's huge. And my couch is about probably. Eight to ten feet away from it. So it's basically like sitting in the third row of a movie theater just going, ah. Yeah, we, we, were, we were just uh, playing uh, P.T., which is the Silent Hills uh, playable teaser, P.T., and I don't do horror. And, and man, I enjoyed like it, a little but bitch. I was a bitch, man. I jumped and screamed. I felt like he, I had to... He ran across half of the room to get away from the ghosts whenever it snapped the character's neck. Yeah, it, it was terrifying. So if you haven't, if you like horror and you like to be, you know, at the shortest, right? It's very immersive environment. Yeah, it's really, really good. It comes it, from... It, uh, um, yeah. Well, it is only on PlayStation 4. It is free to download. Yeah. And it's... um. Hideo Kojima and um, Guillermo del Toro teaming up to is, make the next one. I thought there was a uh, interactive version of it on online, like on PC. Not that I know of. Um, I, they, I, I they, they just released another concept trailer, okay. which inc- actually has an amazing fucking moment in there. So the beginning of it's kind of whatever, like you see, you know, actually it's really cool because you see a little ball rolling down the hallway yeah. and then it starts bumping up against the bathroom door. Oh, that fucking bathroom. And, and then, and then, yeah, the, then the door kind of, the door kind of unlocks and the ball rolls through and as you kind of walk past, you look. 
and then you see the ghost lean down and pick up the ball, and it becomes a head that's vomiting. Oh, and stuff. So, so that's cool. But the next part is, like, you see this person kind of sitting in the middle of a bunch of, like, lights, and you see little toy, electronic toys walking across the room to get come to her, and then a giant hand comes down and grabs that's, it. That's Guillermo del Toro. But, 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 then, all over it. but then the hand, you see the hand is actually part of a, like, normal smaller body, and it starts pointing itself to you. So you start running down the hallway as all these worms come through the um the hall or whatever. The coolest moment, however, and the one that made me go, holy shit, that is amazing, is you come up to a door, or it comes towards the end of the hallway and there's a door, and it blasts off, the door blasts off the wall and hits the other side, and then the door slowly swings open to reveal a staircase leading down. Well, that is kind of cool. And then you turn, now you that, kind of, you kind of look back. You see the hand monster coming towards you, see, and you go the walk down the hall. It's Hideo Kojima written all over it. Well, the, this, from what you're talking about, that that's the part. Like, I am not a gamer personally. I've just never. It's something I've always either played in bands or wrote a whole bunch or was way too interested in comic books. To be fair, I had to use Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 to write my third novel because I was doing it during Vicious Novel Writing Month, and I was too busy wanting to play that, like 15, you know, play 15 matches in a row. So what I did was I would allow myself to play a match for every five pages I wrote. It's a pretty good reward system. Yeah. I finished that novel in 16 days. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play this fucking game. <laughs> so much I want to play. Uh, but, uh, the thing that is, intrigues me now, especially when we when you see the high level rendering in digital art right now, is I really am fascinated with the idea of the immersive spaces and the imagery that they're starting to incorporate in the video games. I do, and, and I, I will be more fat, more and more fascinated to see how, instead of trying to make movies that are like video games, making video games that are more and more like immersive novels, just visual visual novels, where they're kind of in between uh, a video game and uh, like and we uh, have the perfect video game series for you. It's called Metal Gear. Because <laughs> that's exactly what, and it's been doing that since its debut well, on NES. Well, I'm just talking about the level of graphics that they're at. Oh, yeah. They can create things that not only can you interact in the space, but you can watch. Um, you, sh- you should try a game that's called Gone Home. It's on PC, very low specs. What's so cool about that game is it's a first person game. The literal idea is. You've just come back home, you've been living out of state, and you've come home to an empty house. All the lights are off, but it is one of those where you actually are walking around in first person, and like the first puzzle is to find the key that's on the outside of the house so you can open up the locked front door. And it's you exploring this environment, like opening up drawers, picking up stuff, turning it over to examine everything. You can even turn on, like, turn it on the television, put on um, cassette tapes, stuff like that. Um, Turn on the lights in every single room because it's a a freaky house. By the way, for those of you that don't know what cassette tapes are, there were these things that had, uh, uh, they were like mini VHS. They had this weird substance that had an iron filaments on it that when you put it inside of what we call the deck uh, and close it, uh, 
Sometimes you didn't have to close it. Sometimes well, yeah. it sucked it in on its, this it, magical it, force and pulled it in. And you push a button. <laughs> then it started replaying music that people were recording on it. <laughs> and they were about usually three inches three by two. Out. Yeah, three by two, three by four. And then that quarter I was going to say, yes. Um, depending on the era. Now, here's the weird thing about it, is that you would reach the end of it, and then you'd have to fl- take it out, flip it over, and play it backward, or play it play it on its other side to get the rest of the yeah. Um, tracks. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it was kind of fucked. Anyway. Well, but, like, but like, like your fancy MP3 player or cloud service, uh, which, by the way, don't use iCloud. Uh, unlike Cascade, uh, the CDs that would, uh, which are these disc things uh, <laughs> that would play music, um, that would uh, skip. Uh, tape didn't skip either, so it wasn't a new revelation <laughs> for a lot of people. <laughs> so, um, anyway, the entire point of this is to try and figure out what's gone, what's happened to your family, what's been going on in their lives since you've been going through, and you're like finding letters and audio diaries for yeah, it's on Steam, and it Which is. We are not sponsored. By. But we're not sponsored by anybody. <laughs> yeah, we're you know we'll, we'll, we'll fix that. If we name drop, that's just because that's what we know. Yeah. Long, long live the new flesh. It is very <laughs> difficult to talk about anything without using brand names, and unfortunately, because we are so, um, but yeah, that, that one's really cool. It's only like a, maybe a four to five hour experience, but um, I can tell you about some of the themes, but I don't I don't know if you'd ever actually play it. Well, uh, it, for right now, it's just because I don't, my, my laptop is out of commission right now, so okay, I'm going to so, get a screen, I'm going to get a new screen. It's, are you going to play it, try it, Dave? Yes. Okay, I won't ruin it for you, you Remind me, my laptop should be done by the middle of November. Okay, so I'll remind you. I'll remind me in November. Okay, so... As you were saying, yeah. sir, I don't. We don't even fuck your uh, sons of anarchy or yeah. Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan so um, I, I, shit happened. Yeah. So it, it, the Ray Donovan was really good this season. It's in its second season. Uh, you know, I mean, you got to think about uh, pay channels. The viewership isn't high. You know, like Big Bang Theory is like four point five million viewers. Well, like pay channel. Or, yeah, we're more. But, like, well, they're now making a million dollars. Each of the cast members is making a million dollars an episode. So, well, and that's why they moved it to Monday night because that's the money maker night. If it's not Sunday, Thursday is like third place for no. TV. No. Yeah, it used yeah. to be musty TV or musty Tuesday, and then Tuesdays really aren't any good anymore. But Sunday nights, Monday night, and Thursday are your days to watch TV. Well, they put it on Monday night to go right before Castle. And it, it's done really. It's another show that I watch now because it's what I do. Is I watch fucking TV shows. Fuck off me. Have you been playing any video games? Yeah, yeah I've been playing uh, Justin's favorite, absolute favorite publisher, Activision's Destiny. So I, 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 so I did mention that I had played Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two in an effort to write a novel. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Look what they did for you. Yes. And then they fucked over the developers by ripping them off of half a billion dollars in bonuses. And since then, I have... Yes. By firing them for insubordination after they, you know, released this killer product that was the top seller at the time. Now, obviously, each one past then has gone to sell bigger and bigger numbers, and now they're starting to slack off. Hallelujah. Um... So, I have not bought an Activision game since... Modern Warfare 2. 
Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah so you didn't two, buy Warfare three. No. Nope. Uh, so and I didn't buy. I haven't bought any of the uh, Treyarch ones at the time. So it's still accurate. Yeah. So I'm just saying, at that point, I cut them off. Uh, part of the reason was also because they dropped Ghostbusters, Brutal Legend, a couple of other games because they were not annualizable. Yeah, it, it, Ghostbusters, I, I loved. Uh, Except for Bill Murray's performance. Here's the problem. Everybody else was like, gung-ho, I'm, you know, like, we're talking right now. And Bill Murray was literally, hey, guys, let's, um, let's get into the elevator. You know, um, but when was he gung-ho in the movie? Other than, like, well, see on the other side, Egon. He was really... But, he, but he, he wasn't low. He was energy, you know, like I said, he was always flirty. And there was none of that in there. But there well, was, he was also what? always even more skeptical. Than Ray or Egon when it came to those things. Like, yeah. Ray would get super excited. Yeah. Yes. How about this? I'm going to pause this real quick so we can watch a video from Ghostbusters, the video game, and then we'll rejoin this conversation. Who you gonna call? And we're back. And I think they disagree with me there, but um, I I will say that I see your point. He's yeah. he's flat, and that, I think that, I think that's just the problem is that he is flat, and it's not. Well, I think that's maybe not translatable to strictly audio capture yeah. performance. You, you, you know, mean all the him fidgeting with stuff, and you need like yeah, that that could be that's it. But that's his character is always mysterious, and you also don't get the physical actions that we do, which was a lot of which is a lot of Bill Murray's comedy. Right. Really is if he's not physically there, it is very difficult for You know, I honest, never honestly to I, a Bill Murray stand up record. I could watch a Bill Murray stand up special. But I could watch I could I could I think, have not, I could listen. Oh, well I like oh, what what I was gonna say is um what about Bob? I can listen to what about Bob and know exactly what the fuck Bill Murray is doing because he's you know you know he is over the top not I won't say over the top in the bad way but he is a loud person he's completely oblivious to what he's doing to um what the fuck is that actor's name um Richard Dreyfus you know everybody likes Richard Dreyfus everybody loves Richard Dreyfus fuck Richard Dreyfus you shut your dirty horn out oh well the thing also is the main character is such a charlatan. He's a fucking lazy you motherfucker, know, he's, he's too. He's a charlatan. He's, he's one of those people who he's trying to just to get money. Yeah, system. yeah. He's and he's he's always the and like you really see. He's a. Uh, I believe you would call him a pusshound. Uh, he's an <laughs> anti-hero. Air quotes. He's he's a guy who doesn't want to be the guy who has to save the fucking day, but ends up having to save the fucking day. It's like, oh, great. fuck, <laughs> great. I actually things. have to think and do and actually care. <laughs> Dana. <laughs> By the way, Sigourney Weaver is unattractive in every way that a woman could be attractive. I don't I think, think so. I think it's very. The problem is, is Sigourney Weaver is at this point. She's been around for a long time. She's, she's transitioned through the change in American culture. Yeah. When, uh, when super stealth women were the only ultimate attraction to men, we've gone through the eras of plastic surgery and the eras of bigger is better and even bigger is better to this very weird stage where, where you know, things are trying to change where it's very accepting of lots of different types of sexuality and sexual attraction. 
but she comes very much from that time of when very stealth women were considered uh, the ultimate beauty. Okay, well, yeah, I just, and that's nothing against Sigourney Weaver; she's a phenomenal actress. I just, you know, I don't ever think, hey, I'm watching, you know, Sigourney Weaver in Sin City, and I just want to go to the bathroom for 15 minutes. <laughs> Well, I, that I, shouldn't be the only reason. I, I, that's, yeah. I know, but when you see Jessica Alba stripping in Sin City, you think... Well, I think she's also, the worst stripper ever. Well, here's, you haven't been to many strip clubs. <laughs> here's the problem, but also... Okay, Jessica Alba agrees to do Sin City twice. Agrees to do twice. Yep. With Henry Miller, or with Frank Miller, and uh, Robert. Agrees to do twice. And... Due to her no nudity clause that is in every contract she has, including the killing, no, it's not the killing. The killer inside me. The killer inside me that is shot in Oklahoma, which is actually an incredible movie. It is. Incredible. Like, Katie couldn't finish it. it, it it's will, it's it, brutal. It's really messy well, and emotional. But the thing is, is the way they shot that movie, it worked very well around her no nudity clause. She's playing a stripper who in everything you see in the graphic novel is there. Yeah. Including lots of women and very naked, because that's just Spike Miller. That's what he does. That's, yeah. But especially to have that when Hardigan first sees her, you know, and she's little Nancy Callahan, all grown up, it's heartbreaking in the comic book, because there she is, completely naked. He has not seen her in over a decade. Yeah. And, like, the first time he's, you know, it's a heartbreak, he's like, oh, oh, you know, it's, 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 it's not horrible, it's a Callahan, like, yeah. it's horrible, it's a Callahan. You know, it's just, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, like, it's still, it's framed in a way that you are, that is voyeuristic. But you don't get the feeling that, like, that Hardigan is attractive, or you get the feeling of, what if I, yeah. oh, I, let me go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I almost want to see him, like, hide his eyes, but you don't get that feeling, because, I don't know, it's like she had to be naked, it's just, just to even shoot it a little differently, sure, to, no, make, yeah, it, to I mean, make it seem more suggestive of, 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 like, him feeling, like, both titillated and disgusted at the, at the idea of, this is the little girl who... Yeah, which brings me to a point. I'm glad you bring that up with her nudity clause. In TV, on paid TV, on premium TV, they don't... Ra- they rarely have sex scenes where the chicks are wearing a bra. There's some actresses who refuse to do it, but... Or actors, for that matter, where they... It's not, it doesn't... Sometimes on film, it doesn't... On the big screen, because... You know, it doesn't... They have those nudity clauses, or they have... Uh, I'm not going to do something like this. I'll have a body double in there. Well, in TV, they don't give a shit. They don't fuck you. You're going to do it our way. Look at Game of Thrones, which is, uh, uh, which, by the way, I have finished all of the novels now. I audio listen to them, and they're pretty fucking close to the dialogue is almost word for word. But I, the, I am totally behind on the Game of Thrones thing. But, well, but my point is, is it's so visceral that you can't, you can't not have it. As a visual representation, you can't do that. And if you do, if you did do that, it would be it would be mis- misrepresenting what it is to be in this situation. And it's not a it's not it doesn't make for good film or TV for that matter. Well, the the weird stuff comes whenever we're watching you know like watching an R rated horror movie where it's R rated for some reason, but it's not the violence and it's not the nudity. 
So there's something there, and it's just like, okay, you have suggested, like, um, uh, what's, what, what's the fuck? What's the fuck? What's the fuck? What's Well, um, it's uh, the actress from Game of Thrones. You know nothing, John. So. Yeah, he read the yeah. character's name. Yeah, that her. She was just in a horror movie that um, was very similar to Under the Skin, but there's no nudity in it. But it's a hard R. And it's like, okay, obviously she doesn't have any compunction about this. So that, that was an aesthetic decision that they made. But, right, but it seemed yeah. like they were more straddling towards, they were trying to make a PG-13, it just happened to move into our territory. Because of whatever. Well, but I think we would all agree that the FCC is a bunch of puritanical Christians well, the who... the MPAA. Who puts on what movies. And the thing, the thing is, is the MPAA is a closed group. They do not reveal the members. It is a <laughs> it is a it is a it is an elitist organization that is not founded well, no. by film scholars. It's not controlled by an a, a it's like the, it's like academic a, body. It's kind of like the comic censorship. Um, yeah, you know, but you know, which doesn't exist. Anymore. Right? Yeah. The comics code authority. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's that same sort of thing. I mean, the the classic example of what the MPA does, MPAA does, is Fight Club. There's two scenes in particular where they're like, "No, this is yeah. the first one." The first scene was it took the director's cut to get that, right? But the but the um, I want to have your abortion, right? I want to have your abortion, and they give them an NC-17. Yeah, and they were yeah. going to give them an NC-17, mm-hmm. and they were they were like, "Okay, but whatever else we write, you have to approve." And they're like, "Okay." And so he goes, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. school. Yeah. It's like, fuck. And then the, yeah. the other scene is when Babyface is getting his head smashed. They actually showed blow, blow for blow. Yes, what was Jared Leto? Yeah. yeah. I, forgive me, I've watched Fight Club a million times, had no idea it was Jared Leto. I'm like, it's, it's kind of like, I watched Dallas Fires Club, and I'm like, it's fucking Jared Leto. And yeah, um, but, you know, they showed blow for blow, his face being caved in, and they're like, that's too much. So instead, they have, like, two punches, and then they show just the crowd going, fuck. Well, actually, you get, you get more, you get a shot of Ed Norton. Right, yeah, well, and, on, and then you get the crowd closing in. You get the, the one, the, you get the one final one. And then him just blood. blood spur, and then it's like, oh, you're like, you're imagining it now, and it's so much worse than what they had yeah. shown. And the MPA was like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Brent, it's like, what? Yeah. But, but, yeah. Who, who the fuck are these people? Like, they're the, the, that is a topic for another time. That is selected, and they're privately selected. So it's it's yeah. And there's there's a great documentary on it. Yeah. Uh, this film has not been rated. This film has not been rated. I do believe you can stream it uh, on whatever service. If you not, I've got it at the store. So but, uh, it is it is a fascinating watch, and it will really fulfill that topic. Right. So, have you been consumed out? Yeah. Yeah. Go. go yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, just other than TV, I, I, I mean, I've watched a few movies. Uh, I, I watched uh, Days of Future Past. Uh, I watched. Uh, uh, fuck, what did I watch just the other day? Uh, I watched. Who hasn't seen Guardians of the Galaxy? Which, by the way, I feel is kind of overrated. I thought it was really good, but is it? Oh my god, is it better than every other Marvel movie that they come out with? And I. Uh, in some ways, yes. Some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I thought. I mean, I thought the action was really dull, but I thought the character interaction was way above par. You know, that's the. Or below par, actually. But see, I, I kind of had a ruined for me the first time because the only way. My daughter was born the day it released. Yeah. And it was like, okay, we're not going to get to see this in theaters. So, um. 
my Torrentino copy. You son of a bitch. You know yeah. my feelings on this. Yeah, so I, I, I watched a camera version, which was okay, but, you know, you miss a lot of, like, a lot of the little bit of dialogue. The dialogue would get, like, 0. 0.3 seconds off, so I had to go adjust it in the middle yeah. of the film and, like, doing all this stuff. So we got to watch most of it. Got, you know, good feeling for it. Then about two weeks ago, Katie and I finally went and saw the um the movie in theaters and it's like that's pretty good it's better because we know the small dialogue but we you know we don't get that new car smell because we've seen it kind of in a blurry sort of way still decent like the collector was the most interesting character other than chris pratt's character in star lord in my opinion see i and i I actually really like drax i like what what um batista was doing with drax oh he had the best line he had the best line Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I'll catch it. You know. Uh, well, no, I think I think his best line was actually my two favorite moments happen in the same scene. It's whenever they um, run into the ship, and um, oh, what what's his name? The um, actor goes Star Lord, and Chris Pratt. That's uh, Jumani Hansu. Yeah, he goes yeah. finally. Finally, yeah, that, that was that, that, that's yeah. amazing. And then Drax going. You are my friend. This green whore is my friend. <laughs> Enough! <laughs> I was actually, uh, especially because James Gunn has never had this level, but yeah. he's never had this level of someone. $240 million watching him over his neck. He is and probably he's... sweating his walls off. He took a script that was a, that was originally... Uh, it was written by the first one to write a film for Marvel that's part of their uh, screenwriters project, which is actually getting his things, possibly including a Humans movie in the future, which is incredible because... Stay on point. Stay on point. point. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't really he didn't really punch it up that much. They changed bits and pieces to make it fit into the Infinity Films concept. For me, the thing... Uh, but he did, he did get away with... Um, uh, Nebula was that her name? Yeah. Um, yeah. Her, her, her being broken to bits and then you know the bone snapping back into place. That like oh, that that's, that's amazing. It, like, you're like you're watching that and you're like, how did they get that into a PG thirteen movie? Yeah. Well, but I think it was it was the, because they clearly set her up constantly right. Yeah. Fixing herself yeah. as a cyborg. Um, the thing that made me mad is. Zoe Saldana is a better actress than what they gave her for Gamora. Except in Star Trek Next Year, or Star Trek Into Darkness. Talk about Star Trek. So, I, I, I don't like her. I, I do. I, especially, especially because the thing is that she's not. She's, she's the female version of Hugh Jackman, where she plays the exact same character in everything well, she does. So do most actors, yeah. including Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah he's Iron Man. But, but the thing is, uh, I wanted more and more and more Nebula. I wanted more of that because I feel I just feel like the thing is, is the, the brutality and the cruelty that Gamora has been privy to being a child of Thanos. You, yeah, what do you think Nebula? You yeah. do not really get that feeling from Gamora. You don't get how tortured she really. Is. Yeah, yeah, they 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 they, 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 over yeah, they just say, yeah, you you get you get more of that feeling from uh, Rocket Raccoon than you yeah. do from her. Yeah. You, you get the pathos because you get the payoff to seeing the cybernetic implants in his body. And uh, the thing is that I, there were two things that, one, it was the first time we've gotten a pure, fun science fiction movie in 
I don't even know the last time I watched a science fiction movie that everything wasn't over a sling to the point of complete re- redundant bullshit. Uh, it is more, um, I'm sorry. I actually, it's, I actually it's, um, liked it's Sci-Fi it's, Groundhog Day. I, I know it was enjoyable. It was just like... It had my it's, number it's, one. It's, yeah. it's, it what is that? Live, die, repeat, or something like yeah, that? It's now live, die, repeat. No, it's still at, no. I, well, I, I read an article about this. I'm sorry. It, it's live, die, repeat. Edge of tomorrow in one word. Live, die, repeat. Little bitty edge of die tomorrow at the bottom. Little bitty, you know. Just <laughs> as far as like, I'm sorry, like for me as people come there, I'm sitting there in a movie theater full of motherfucking kids and people. Yeah, like even my next movie that's the first time experience is the next two. The movie doesn't need it. No, like, I, I don't ever watch anything on uh, 3D. I just did because I was like, why not? Gravity was awesome in 3D. Uh, oh, <laughs> but here's the thing. Oh. I'm sitting there in the movie theater, in the collector's room. They go over the concept of Infinity Stones. I am watching the Celestials and all these concepts coming from the way, way, way far out Marvel Universe stuff that they, that for a while they wanted to throw under the rug and not talk about and not admit it ever happened. Well, and you know you can blame on that. You blame Josh Whedon for that. That's him. That's no, 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 no. I'm talking about within the comic universe. Okay. They even tried to like shove it in the room. That's Bob Harris thinking yeah. about the Tommy Falcon and Tommy Falcon and the nuts. You think the clones, uh, the clones are Spider-Man like Tommy Falcon and Bob Harris. But um, there were a lot of bad editorial decisions in Marvel for a long time. Um, but all these great things that Jack Kirby and Jim Sirico and all these visual styles of these amazing artists. It was like when I watched Thor, it's like when you see Valhalla uh, or Asgard, when you see Asgard, I'm like, I am looking at Jack Kirby and Walt Simons and John's term beautiful, beautiful computer special effects. And like, you know, they actually went away from that in Thor 2. I mean, they, they, they changed directors. Yeah, they, it's actually a Game of Thrones, one of their yeah. main directors. It's Alan Taylor. Yeah, Alan yeah. Taylor. He, He's made it a little bit more visceral, a little more earthy tone. And so for me, Guardians is fun sci-fi, and based on the fact that it made, oh shit, it's all of the money around the world, it's going to be one of the, it is going to change Hollywood. Well, here's the, here's sci-fi. the, here's the thing about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's great, but here's the thing, and you know, Kevin Smith has talked about this several times, is that Guardians of the Galaxy is something that non-comic book people didn't give two shits about. Yeah. Nobody knew what it was. Marvel took a property that nobody knew what it was and made it one of the biggest movies, if not the biggest movie this year. And, and here's the thing. This is why DC has their heads shoved so far up their ass that they are trying to make the Justice League movie. They're still trying to make this one movie. The Justice League movie. Right. That, you know, Marvel did two years ago. Yeah. Or three, 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 year, three years ago, I think it was now. 2012. Okay, so 2012. What's is they just won't hand... They, there, there is not a vision that they can present. Well, they don't have. They don't they, have. Yeah, they, they don't have the creative community. They're not hiring. Uh, they're not taking Scott Snyder, who is right now has been writing Batman and doing a kick-ass job on it. It's probably as far as the overly serious, grim, dark, upset. The bad God. 
Yeah, as far as the thing, because the thing is, is they've gone way too much of a gritty, dark environment. Was the thing is, in the late 80s, when the comic books weren't like that at all, and they brought in Ray Morrison for the first time, and Neil Gaiman for the first time, and Alan Moore, and, uh, into the, well, that's like early 80s and Alan Moore, but when comic books have never been done, treated seriously like this, with well-written dialogue and well-written character arcs and good narration and all that, you know, Gritty was fine because it had never really been done before. Now you're all these years later, and that's what you're referring to. That's a huge problem. Huge problem. And also, if you're gonna get a director who poorly and overly adapted Watchmen to the point of, I, I actually, I, I have to be the one who admits that I'm probably the one person who loved that film. Oh, I love Watchmen too. Uh, I, I the, the we thing, watched it together, actually. Yeah, here's my thing. Here's the one thing. Fan edit again with Watchmen. I all I want is to for somebody to take all the scenes with slow mo out. No, make normal speed. That's all I want. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I could so, yeah, I would totally be okay with that. That would be okay. My biggest thing. You, you cut an hour off the movie, but hey. <laughs> My biggest thing, especially with, with Watchmen, is uh, you don't think Billy Cooper did just a phenomenal no, document? No, there were phenomenal performances. There were phenomenal set pieces. And there were phenomenal costumes. Don't 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 you talk, dare talk about you know pussy squid. I'm not, no, well, we're not going to talk they, they did totally change that. They changed the ending. I think for they, the better. The, I, I also agree. I, I agree I, I, and disagree. I feel like they could have come up with something that would have still fit the concept. Because the thing is, is there's this thing in the original graphic novel called Tales of the Black Raiders. Yeah, they poorly adapted it. They made the animation that kind of goes along with it. But the thing is, is you change the ending. You cannot have the Black Freighter in there more because of this parallel narrative to. But here's, here's the great thing: they didn't put it into the movie. So I know, they didn't put it. Into even the, yeah, I mean, even the director's cuts didn't have anything like that. But my whole thing, though, there is an ultimate cut that comes out of it. To, to overly, like literally, I am watching panel after panel after panel after panel after panel being shown for the first three chapters. This panel, 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 panel. panel. Over and over again, you're seeing this rich, detailed landscape right out of the comic book. And then, about halfway through the edition, like all of this brilliant storytelling devices that directly connect the two concepts of the book. Because what actually breaks the, the crystal creation that Dr. Manhattan uh, has built on Mars when, when, when Jin's there is a bottle of Adrian Knight Bites nostalgia perky, which has been, which you will see periodically a freight of it turning in the air throughout. It goes on for eight issues. It will just show up and all these men, and every time she's thinking about it, every time it flashes back, there's this narrative device. And I'm like watching, and this is not the only criticism, but it's like, I'm watching this movie and I'm going, oh, so they're not, they're not going to reveal that she's the kid's daughter. They're not going to reveal that. Okay. They did, though. They, yeah, they did. They did. With none of the setup that was in the nothing, like I watched perfect it, 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 shot it, for shot. That's fine. Like, fine, Nathan. A, it doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, they got the message across. The thing is, is, you, is see, I think you're why, gonna, why you you you're wanting too you're close of an adaptation. No, I, I, if, if you're gonna go this far, why not take the extra step? Why well, not take the extra because step? the time so when because of, well the time when it came out. Game of Thrones wasn't a thing. Yeah. At this point, if they were trying to come up with Watchmen now, it would be a Game of Thrones 
it would be a one season. Yeah, it'd be like a true detective esque. Yeah, it would eight be a true episodes, detective. whatever. Which and the, and the whole thing for me is like, as far as Watchmen, uh, especially because he's actually my favorite. Being sixteen years old, having the whole graphic novel, reading the whole thing all the way through, cover to cover in a week because I was just so obsessed because it just took me by storm. And the problem is, is I, I'm watching the movie and I don't get the feeling of I don't I, I don't get to that just sucked in. Yeah, I, I, don't you think maybe that's because you were already sucked in? Maybe you're numb to the sucked in feeling of watching the movie. The thing is, it's like the feeling of this you know deconstructionist kind of superhero is. I just I I wanted more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it happens every once in a while. Um, I just I I wanted. I, I did, I, and I don't hate it. I don't think it's the worst movie. I can watch it. I recently rewatched it. It was better than I remember in parts. <laughs> uh, and it just, it, because it's commenting directly on the game itself, you know, within, there's so many narrative devices. Well, I mean, and the thing is, they really, they really took the movie version and, they, you know, the thing I love, and you know, it's part of one of the things I want set up in there is the prison fight because it literally is them making fun of all of the previous superhero movies up until that point because it's literally punch, pose, yeah, punch, pose, kick, <sighs> and it's like okay, they are totally making fun of every single one of these things, the but in tropes. yeah, the, the, all the tropes. So okay. So yeah, it's your it's your turn. <laughs> it's your, but I want to ask you. I want to pose you a question. Was Guardians of the Galaxy better than the first Avengers? And will it be better? And if it was, will it be better than I Age of Ultron? Um, I think it was. I do not think that it will be better than Age of Ultron. But we won't know because there will be a. Um, they just announced that when the Blu-ray releases December 9th, the Blu-ray will have a exclusive trailer or whatever for Age of Ultron. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. For me, it's worth buying. It yeah, just because yeah, of that. Yeah. For me, the reason I like Guardians better is. Every character did get their moment. And, and Avengers felt like Iron Man 3 before Iron Man 3 came out. But the thing about Avenger, the Avengers is everybody got their moment. But the more you watch that movie, the longer it feels. Because you're like, okay, now we're going to sit down with Tony Stark and Bruce Banner. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to have their bro moments. And then, but, oh, but here's, the, here's the thing is that you have Thor there. And whenever he's talking there, he has this really awkward moment with Coulson where he's like, hey, the, I don't remember what he calls them, but the, the flumabajibbers. Yeah, the, whatever they're, you don't have those here? Yeah, and then yeah. beat, beat, beat. Technically, it should end it after the first beat, but beat, 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 uh, and then he turns and he's <laughs> yeah. talking. And you're like, I, you know, I understand, I understand. The awkward that comes from Thor. Right, I understand that, but it went on for too long. It's, um, I'm going to eat tangent. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I, I will restrain myself from a, a tangent that has nothing to do with Guardians. But um, I really like how everybody worked together. I like that it built on it. It had a very similar moment, even from the. It's it basically Guardians of the Galaxy is Avengers two with a whole entirely new cast. Yeah, and, and and my thought is that Avengers two they're actually going to replace the entire cast. I think Captain America is going to die at the end of Avengers two. They're going to. They, he's going to be replaced with Bucky. So if nothing else, it's going to be Cap three, and then Bucky's going to take over. 
but it, they I think they have said that the end the, or that the end the end credits is going to be introducing the next wave, which is you know Ant Man and all of those. So which, Paul Rudd, how do you feel about oh, Paul Rudd? I, I love Paul Rudd. I I, I just I, I, it's just gonna be weird not seeing him next to Leslie Mann's boobs. <laughs> not seeing him near Leslie Mann's boobs is gonna be oh, weird to me. Uh, just as a quick aside about. Guardians. Uh, so it was the first time you're watching Origins. You're absolutely right. You're, no, you're, you're asking, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. So, I, I just thought it would be a good question to pose the group. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, feel free to what what I've been consuming the last couple of weeks. Um, my wife and I started Californication. Um, I had actually watched the first season previously. The thing about Californication is. You don't feel molderish. It's not. No, no, not no, no, no. It's not. Um, my my thing on it is that the first season feels like the end of a series. You got, have you guys watched Californication no, at all? Okay, so the basic setup is is that David Duchovny is a writer who wrote. You know, he wrote. He's basically like kind of Bukowski, but he had his movie turned into a um, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes romantic comedy. So the original, the original, the concept in the show, yeah, like Tom Cruise, Kate. Well, it's it's Tom and Kate, and you never actually see them. But okay, the book's title was "God Hates Us All." The movie's title was "A Crazy Little Thing Called Love." (laughs) So, um, okay, yeah, um, his wife and his wife has left him for another man who she's going to get married to. And, you know, her, his daughter's living with him, you know, so it's like his daughter's going between the households. He's trying to get his wife back, but he's also, you know, he's David Duchovny, who has sex with anybody he wants at any time. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But the main thrust of the first season, total spoiler, but it's the first episode, is that he, at one point he runs into this um, woman at a book, bookstore and is kind of hitting on her and she dejects him and then she kind of laughs it off and said, I was just fucking with you. And they have sex. And at the last second, she punches him right before um, coming. And knocks Whoa. him out, and then it's um, the worst. It's got to be like a backflow, like reverse flow. <laughs> the reverse <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So punches him in the face, and then he finds out that this woman is actually the daughter of the person his um, lady left him for. Oh, and she's sixteen. That could be bad. Here's, this is a very Bukowski story. Yeah, well, here's the thing, and this is the thing. First season for me is, you know, it's kind of like, ended the first season and been done with the show. And been, they could have, okay. they could have, could have. But the thing about the first season is, as a writer, it drives me up the fucking wall. And here's the reason, and it's a total spoiler for the first season. You probably see it coming from a mile away. But he is in right. He has writer's block. He hasn't been able to write anything. At one point, he writes a novel about the incident with the girl and only has one copy, gives it to his old lady to read, and she doesn't read it, but the girl finds it and makes a copy of it, and then he loses the manuscript. So the, she, sells, so the sh- she sells it as her own. Uh, he can't say anything because oh, she's 16 years old. Yeah. His agent has even picked her up to sell it, and at one point he realizes what's going on and reads the manuscript, and the agent kind of comes up to him and says, 
you know, it's your best work. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, thank you. And hugs up. You know, everything. And, and it's like, well, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. So, but by the end of, you know, it, that, that thread is not resolved by the end of the first, well, she gets the book contract and it's the next biggest thing in publishing. And she keeps going, Oh, my biggest influence was Hank Moody, which is, I'm assuming. Yeah. His character is just like, Oh, fuck you. You know, like I just want to ring her neck. Second season doesn't have any, you know, it moves past that. It's just, it's her book now. Fuck it. Sure. Um, yeah, we're now on season four, and at the end of season three, she can't write anything. It actually ends after five. No, it's seven. It's season seven seasons? Yeah. Wow, it's a long yeah. time for a show. Um, and it's a miracle that something makes it past Basically, days. at the end of season three, lead into season four, she reveals what happened because... She's an adult now. Well, she's an adult now, but she reveals what happened because she can't fucking write. And they make it a publicity stunt without his permission, and then he's brought up on statutory rape charges in season four. That's where I'm at. From everything I've heard, season four is where to end it. We haven't finished season four yet. We're almost there. It's almost there. Like yeah, yeah. I, was, I was just thinking that you know after after the Trinity, I was hoping you would bring that up. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, so we've been watching that. I absolutely love it. After the first season, I was like, oh, that's why I never watched season two. And season two has one of my favorite, or it has it's my favorite time, right? Yeah. It's on so, Netflix, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. The whole Showtime. Thing, the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Showtime and Netflix are friends. Yeah. Um, like did you guys watch Battlestar Galactica? I did. I cannot get um, into it. Well, I tried. One of, tried one, of the tried. Guy, one of the guys, he's in season two. Um, Katie absolutely loves him. Like, her big thing. At one point, um, one of the, what, what are they fucking called? The um, Cylons. Cylons. One of the Cylons actually traps Starbuck. Oh, Cylon toaster. Okay. Yes. Um, but anyway, um, traps Starbuck on the planet, and it's all about him trying to make her stay. And Katie's comment is always, if I was Starbuck, I would have stayed. And so this guy shows up as like this super hot, you know, like this crazy rock star who, you know, he now is a like consultant and they become best friends and Hank Moody is writing a biography on him. Their thing is absolutely amazing, but they take him out of the picture at the end of the season. And it's one of those shows that you're introduced to very interesting characters for one season and then they just disappear, even though people are living in the exact same place. Yeah, because that actor's contract is up. Right. And, you know, that's, that's the problem with Dexter. Is well, that also the fact that you have a Australian, well, a late season, you have an Australian actor with an obvious Australian accent playing a Russian mob boss. But he was so good. Oh, no, he's a thing I love. I love Ray Winstone. Yeah, I love that actor. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was my favorite villain. It enough later in the season to where they explain his accent, why he doesn't have a Russian accent. But, like, like in the beginning, you're like. By the way, we are talking about Dexter now, that transition. Transition. Yeah, tangent. Yeah, tangent. Transition. Transition? Tanception. But, yeah, anyway, so we've been watching um as for movies, I've really been just kind of going back. Um, one of my buddies has been coming over on Wednesday nights, and where oh, most of you people go to church. Yeah, yeah, um, losers. Well, it's it's not till nine o'clock at night, so I could still do that other stuff, but I don't. So I have uh, he's two like, kids. Yeah, I have two kids. One goes to bed at seven thirty. <laughs> you need to know all this information. Anyway, so we've been watching stuff like Haunty Pool. 
which is fuck is twenty four, man. Well, I'm glad you asked. Sir. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. I always ask him this shit, and he's like, he's like, you don't know what this shit is. I'm like, fuck no, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so 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 Pontypool is um, a horror movie. There you go. But what it is, it has a lot in common with War of the Worlds, the original radio drama. So the entire concept of it, it's based off of a novel, which I have not read. It's called Pontypool Changes Everything. But the movie um, has Stephen McCaddy, who played the older Night Owl in Watchmen. Um, And basically, he is a radio shock jock who has been relegated to this small small Canadian town. And... It's in the middle of the night, and basically a zombie outbreak happens while he is working his job, and it's all from radio calls that are coming in, how him piecing together the information. The thing that's interesting about this movie is that it's n- the um, the virus is not done through biting or attacking. People die, but it's done through words. In the English language is the carrier for it, and it's terms of endearment. It's whenever you truly understand a word. So, and that's coming from a guy whose profession is words. So he's he's infecting everyone. That's that's the subtext of it because there's some points where he's almost lost, but he pulls himself back from it. But we kind of get, oh, is he gonna go? And then at one point, you know, (laughs) there's this great moment where their speakers are overrun, their station is cut into, and a French announcement comes over, and one of the people translates it real quick. And then he's reading it on the thing, and it's, you know, please stay away from terms of endearment. Stay away from the English language. Stay away from this, this, repetition, da-da-da-da-da. And he's kind of, he's looking like, is this fake? And at the very bottom it says, do not translate this message into English, which he reads out loud on the radio. So, and it's, you know, as this whole town is being, the thing that's great about it, the horror movie is an hour and a half. They made a BBC radio drama featuring the same characters, same sound effects, all that stuff. It's an hour long and it has a different ending from the movie. I definitely sounds yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it sounds really crazy, actually. Yeah, it's 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 on Netflix. Um, another one I watched recently was Yellow Brick Road, another horror movie. Um, are you guys familiar with House of Leaves? Uh, I mean, I remember I have yet to read them. Okay, no, so, they, so the idea of House of Leaves um, is this giant book. It has three different storylines going on it. One of them is basically a dissertation written by a man who's been blind for 40 years about a movie that came out nine years before the writing of the book. So he'd been blind for 31 years before this movie. He's writing a dissertation about, about a house that is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Okay, Mark Z. Daniel my, brain has, my brain has, has made no bones about the fact that he's but so basically it's it's kind of like a TARDIS or whatever the the, the um but but the scene that they the, the scene that they explains it is that it's these people that have their um all these little short films and it's this person with a handheld camera walking through a hallway that takes five and a half minutes for them to walk down they turn to go back it takes 30 seconds for them to leave so that's the first storyline. The second storyline is by Johnny Truant, which is not his real name, but he goes under Johnny Truant. It's written in the footnotes. And basically the story is this blind guy Zampano wrote this novel 
I wrote this dissertation about this movie, and then he dies, and everything is written like on post-it notes placed all over the manuscript. And so Johnny Troon is formatting it. Well, the fun part of the novel comes in that, like, Zampano will have something written in a foreign language, and I'll have a footnote. You go down to the bottom of Zampano says, this means this. There'll be a footnote. That is Johnny saying, it doesn't mean that. It actually means this. There'll be a footnote from there, from the editors of the book, that say, both of these fuckers are wrong. It actually means this. So Yellow Brick Road is a horror movie. Very light on the horror, horror elements. More of the fuck your brain. Yes. Those are really horror movies in my opinion. Well, this, this one does have some horror elements, but it has a great opening where it's like talking about in the 1940, these people in New Hampshire um, just got up and left. They just left everything behind, but nothing, you know, they left nothing behind and walked into the woods. Most were found brutally beaten, but some were not ever found at all. And you hear this audio transcript of this one person who's saying, do you hear it? Do you hear it? Well, what are you hearing, sir? Do you hear it? And it's about, then it jumps forward, and it's about this group that's going, ex, going doing an expedition into those woods. And it's got this great thing. It's almost like Blair Witch, but without the shaky cam. Like, it's actually a movie, but it's the same sort of thing. And, found footage. And, well, it's got the found footage feel, but without the found footage. Like, there's not a person standing there with a camera. It's character. Right. But they do have these great moments where one of them is a psychologist, and he'll center the camera on a person and say, okay, say the alphabet backwards. What's your earliest childhood memory? Speak gibberish until I say that, you know, and this sort of thing and kind of picking their mental competency. And at one point, music starts playing. Do you hear it? Yeah, yeah, there's music playing. And it's like, you know, jazz age stuff. And, you know, early 1940, you know, the 1940s, late 1930s type music. And it's coming from nowhere because they're, they're like five days out from there. And they're trying to think it feels everything. And at one point, one of the characters reveals that the numbers match going forward. Whatever number, they're cartographers, all the numbers match going forward. But when you try to go backward, you know, we travel for half a day. But when we looked backwards, we had, you know, it showed that we were actually, you know, three days out. Okay. This is one of those movies. You should totally watch it. Mm-hmm. Totally awesome. No. You should end it ten minutes before it ends. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so like every Eminem Shyamalan movie I'm terrible. I, 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 I hate I, admitting it, but I like his fucking movies. I, I still I even like The Happening, I have to say it. But, well, The Happening has a great moment. No, like, has some really good creepy great moments. Idea. It's a great idea. Like, the, so, he's like one of those guys who just needs to present the idea. And let somebody else do it. Well, he did that with Devil, and it wasn't more. Um, anyway. Well, what he needs to do is direct. I knew it was that old woman. Absolutely. It's somebody who write the script. And then, you, know, then you, you, you can tell it from the um, trailer. But I never, yeah, I, uh, I, I, watched De- I watched Devil when it came on HBO at like one day when I was asleep, and I was like, oh, fuck it, it's on. And as soon as the woman came in, I'm just like, it's the dichotomy. You know what I mean? She, well, she's she's also the yeah. she's also the cre- uh, creepy teacher from the faculty. Well, that doesn't help when you when you yeah when you take characters from and put them in their same yeah, character yeah it's like yeah. Can you typecast another but, character but, but, but you to, actually to, typecast to be them. fair it was like 13 years later or whatever yeah. since the faculty but so those was three years yeah like the I, I, even, I, I honestly didn't even realize that the faculty was Robert Rodriguez really. He directed it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's See, look, mind blown. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you when you see the uh, 
So while he's thinking of that, um, actually to completely redirect, the big movie that um, I've seen recently, which Nathan and I, which by the way, if you hear any weird sounds, that's one of my three cats. So he's a cat lady without being a lady. Well, I do have a cat lady as a wife. I'm a cat husband. Anyway. Or a lady, depending on how you want to look at their relationship. Mm. Anyway, um, so the big... (laughs) The um, big movie that Nathan and I saw recently was Kevin Smith's Tusk. So, um, it's a movie. <laughs> um, I, it's a movie about uh, more than you ever thought of Kevin Okay, so here I'll give you the basic idea of it. Please, no spoilers. Oh, fuck off. Because I, if you convince me that it's good, I'll want to watch it, then I don't want to be ruined. <sighs> I will stab you in your neck. <laughs> Can you not, can you not, can you, can you... Uh, here, I can give the basic premise of it. Um... <laughs> what he said sold on maybe to watch it is bigger than what he's, well, what you thought he could do. Well, it's, it, it, it is a natural evolution from Red State. Did you see Red State? No, it, okay. it, it is, in a lot of ways, it's a culmination of everything that Kevin Smith never really done in theirs. It's actually the best edit of the week, so this that he's edited, which was Zach, you're making pornos. But this is the best edited movie he has he is edited. Um, there were exceptional moments in the editing, especially wow, like especially just Scott was uh, <laughs> And now now he edits everything himself at the end of the day after he looks at the dailies he does. Um, he edits it together. I will say that there are great monologue, there's great dialogue, there are a lot of unexpected moments. Um, well, okay, before we get into stuff like that, the basic idea of this is that... Um, give me the trailer of the film. Well, the trailer does give away some stuff in there. It doesn't give the, it doesn't go um, the full thing. The basic idea is that Justin, Long, Justin Long's character, um, Wallace Brighton, is a podcaster. Da, 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 da. And oh my god! He um he is he is yeah um and he is headed up to Canada to interview somebody and things go awry. So he is trying. He basically does a podcast where he goes out and talks to interesting people. And while he's going to the bathroom at this bar, lamenting what's going on, he finds an advertisement from this guy who says, I have lived a long and storied life at sea. Um, I have a room for rent, and I have many stories to tell. You know, you just have to do some household chores, and, you know, I'll, talk to, I'll regale you with all the tales of my life. And so he calls him and goes, holy shit, telling stories is what I do. I do podcasts. So can I come and interview? And he goes, Yeah. Totally. And gets two hours out and he drives out there and meets with the lodger. And things do not go well for him. Um, Justin Long? Justin Long. Um, The the lodger, I'll I'll stop shortly after this. Just if you want me to continue after this, I will and we'll spoil it to all get out. But um, the lodger's best friend and the best relationship he has ever had has been with a walrus. On a deserted island. On a deserted island after his ship crashed and he was the only, and he was his only, the only survivor and the walrus helped him, which he named Mr. Tusk. In the name of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to continue or do you think you'd actually see this? Keep going. Keep going. So... Kind of like real in like a well. He has this. Uh, the the lodger guy has these. Uh, begins to tell him, telling him just long story. He serves his family. 
And this leads to, during the course of this, uh, multiple stories, extended dialogue, references to literature, references to uh, characters from history that he's met, and just you're becoming fascinated by the character names out what this person is. And usually he is an illusion. That's the, that was a part of the day. Yeah. He can't take care of himself anymore. And he just he wants someone to basically live there so that he, uh, It's this giant dark mansion on top of a hill with this great driveway. And, um, you know, it's just an old man, basically. He just long, if he was trying to take up, you know, to live there, would have the run of the house. But he's just there for a story. And as... Um, Michael Parks is the main, or is the, I, I call him the lodger, but I don't think that's right. Uh, he's the carpenter, whatever. Yeah, he's the he's guy, the guy who's there. Yeah, he's telling the stories, and Justin Long begins to pass out. The tea. Because of the tea. But the entire time, he's passing out, and he goes, drinking he keeps, he keeps drinking the tree and going, man, you know, this is the best tea I've ever had. Yeah. And then, okay. and then passes the fuck out. To which the um, lodger, I'll just keep calling him that, it's not it, but um, goes, there, there, Mr. Tusk. Oh, so he wants to turn Justin Log into his previous walrus. Yes, sir. That is the old That's old. the premise of the film. And then the trailer kind of gives that away. Okay, so, so why why is it considered a horror film? It doesn't sound horror-y at all, right? It, it, it's, is, it it's, a, I, is it a shock film? I, or well, is it there, a, there's a shock moment, but I would call it. I would call it a black comedy. Okay. It, it's, it's kind of... Is okay. it funny? I mean, oh, it's, no, it's hilarious. There, there, were more, there were moments where it was very uncomfortable to laugh. <laughs> you wanted to laugh because it was funny. Yeah, but... Um, but what I would say, what I have most likened it to is... And this this will sound different than what, I'm, what we're going for, but it's the human centipede with a sense of humor. So it doesn't have any of the horror of that, but it's a very kind of similar place. Messes, it really messes with you psychologically. Of like, how do you feel about this? How do you... Okay, like one of the lines, what, um, that happened, or one of the best lines in there is they're having dinner. Basically, what happens right afterwards is that Justin Long wakes up and he's strapped to a wheelchair and he's, you know, dribbling out water and, you know, he's clearly drugged. Like, you know, I says, oh, yeah, a brown recluse, a hobo spider, bit your leg. So I had to have a doctor come here and, you know, your leg was the size of an elephant. <laughs> what type of elephant? <laughs> and um, he goes, well, we had to take drastic measures. And Justin Long looks down and pulls back a blanket and he's missing a leg. Oh, and that's where it starts coming yeah, in. Okay. Yeah. And it becomes more a horror film. But, I but, but it's, it's not that point where you're just like, oh, God, I, I'm feeling repulsed. Like, when the horror, there's stuff that's horror going on, but Marco Parks is delivering such an enthusiastic, like, monologue that you're reeled into that, so you don't feel the horror. You're more intrigued by what's going on okay. than being like, okay. this is creepy as all fuck. Well, yeah. also, that's the other thing that I will say that uh, I'm glad for things like Dexter um, to broaden the popular culture of um, not just the creepy killer, but the psychopath. The person who you really should not I would not want to warn them, but they're so complex, they're so fascinating that you can't help yourself but be like fully involved in like what they're saying. Yeah, Dexter Dexter did a really good job of that. That my only beef with that ever Dexter brought up was the sister. I wanted her dead from day one. She was the most annoying character. Which is sad because she became a better character in some of the other seasons. Yeah. I, 
when she found out, it was like, just kill it. The thing, the thing to me about that is the fact that, like, during third and fourth. Yeah, they were dating. They were dating and then married. I didn't know that. Yeah, they did get married. You're right, yeah. The Fitzy's ghost. The real actor. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Dexter right. Dexter and Deborah. Yeah, they were married. Started dating, okay, married, yeah. and divorced over for the third season. And, and, uh, uh, Michael C. Hall battled cancer yeah. during the fourth season. See, here's, here's my thing, and this is, you know, I know it's not anywhere close to the books, I haven't read the books, but the first season and the first book are almost word for word. That seems to be the case for just about everything. But, that but my, is my thing on. is, is that at the end of season four, with the Trinity killing, yeah. you know, I was, you know, I, especially because Graham was right about that age, I was really, like, I was invested in kind of their relationship, but also kind of the Astro and Cody relationship. Yeah. So the thing is actually the best season for the Astro and Cody. Right, yeah, but, but after... They, they feel least... Absolutely. Right, and but then season five hits, and, I, and at, in the weekend, at the end of season four, I was just like, I'm really excited to see, you know, what happens with those two. Right, and how that goes into his life, and how he has to change what he's doing to suit raising three kids, and they're like, oh, the grandparents are going to take yeah. them. Well, I heard that the original showrunner wanted to leave, wanted to end the series. Clyde Phillips, yeah. who was the executive the, the show, Yeah, the show, the yeah. he left. And just consulted the last person. He left. Yeah. He, like his his whole concept of the end of season four was to be his. This is his end. Of well, it's kind of like um, Supernatural is. If you guys haven't watched it, the first season of Supernatural is really strong, and it, uh, it's it's the guy Buffy. <laughs> As a guy who hasn't watched Buffy, I absolutely first episode. Especially, I mean, how much strong, how much stronger can you have a hook than you know the mother dying at the very beginning, them standing, you know, them being in the um, being at the dorm or whatever, and him be like, anything you can say in front of me, you can say in front of a uh, she devil, whatever. Yeah, not an action, but whatever my girlfriend's name is, and he's like. Dad's gone hunting, and he hasn't come back. Uh, let's go talk. You know, just that idea that they're going on a road trip to find their father, who is a monster hunter. Like, holy shit, that's an awesome concept. Well, no, 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 I'm not saying that, like, I just, I'm not saying that there hasn't been good episodes because I have not seen a lot of Supernatural. But every time I watch it, I'm like, it's, it's, it's too... Yeah, I agree. Too, it feels okay. like they're trying to just... Well, and it might be, but... Um, what, I don't what, know if they were writers. But what, 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 what I, love I, I, I honestly don't know. For me, the thing that finally made it click is I thought I was going to really like Sam, which is the long-haired guy, the college guy. I was like, man, I'm going to identify with him. He's more than a love guy. Whereas Dean, which is probably something you have identified very quickly, Dave, with, is that... Um, Looks on the job. Well, no, because Dean is the soldier. Oh, well. So he takes orders. He does not question the orders, whereas Sam does. Unfortunately, the way Sam acts it is a lot like William Shatner. <laughs> so <laughs> the worst actor of all time. So he, well, no, 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 anyway, he goes, he basically, every line is punctuated with head swivel. Oh, you mean like Andrew Lincoln from Walking Dead? Oh, I don't. I fucks the camera every goddamn time he looks at it. I don't watch Walking Dead. Thank anyway, you. terrible. Good. The first season was great. I'm sorry that I, 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 if you like Walking Dead, commit suicide. Okay, that's a good first episode. <laughs> that's that's a little. Okay, so I have not watched Walking Dead. It's like so so. Season. This is gonna be the dubious consumers. If you like Walking Dead, commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> we found our byline. Yeah. The first, the first season is great. 
but they they completely go away from everything that makes the show that made the first season great, which was about identifying with characters living throughout the zombie apocalypse. They then turn into let's just mix it all up and throw it in a trash bag and then throw it on the ground and then see how they well, act. I don't well, know how true it is. It's, it's not. It's the not. Season, it, it, takes, it takes them to get to season three to do the um, Parable. Um, it, takes, it takes them to season three to get them to the prison. Okay, FYI, Robert Kirkwood, the man that did be, that wrote their yes, still writing, still writing and yeah. created Walking Dead and Walking Dead and Invincible, which I think is over. Uh, is the C he's the president of Inchat right now. That's what that is his main job other than writing one team. So if you He's working on Outcast right now too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's on so I haven't read it yet. Yeah, I've heard people read graphic novels for Walking Dead is phenomenal. Read that. Okay, anyway, so, anyway, anyway. Walking Dead sucks. But what I was just gonna and supernatural bring in other nerd things, you watch it. <laughs> so, 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 so supernatural. Um, the scene, the, it's like six or seven episodes into the first season where they're trying to find their father. They're following all the clues, trying to find him. And there's this great scene where Sam, the college guy who questions everything, gets a phone call from the father. Like, it's a phone call. He answers it. It's his dad. He's like, Dad, where are you? Like, just genuinely concerned. His dad says, Hey, I need this. No, no, where are you? Where, you know, and his dad's trying to give him information. Sam just keeps interrupting him and not following him. He goes, Give me the deed. And so he passes it to Dean, and Dean has that same look on his face, like a little boy, like, Where, where are you, Dad? And he starts to ask, and then Dad says one word, and his face becomes, he becomes stone. He goes, Okay, okay, okay. Hangs up the phone. It's like, okay, I will follow Dean to hell and back. <laughs> and to be fair, Dean has gone to hell a couple of times, so I, I have fulfilled my promise. But the reason I brought that up is that for that, the original showrunner wanted to go to season three and be done. And then, he, then yeah, and then he was like, okay, season five will be the end of it. And he finished those storylines. Season five, great ending. Season six, uh, well, yeah, I haven't watched eight yet, but I do believe that basically a Deus Ex Machina, meaning literally God comes in and just kind of jazz and fixes everything. <laughs> but, uh, so just ignoring everything that's happened. Well, what's funny is kind of the reverse thing. Is I think I think originally Josh had played like eight seasons of that. That was going to be the whole. Now it's still going in a comic book. No, no, know? I know. I know. Yeah. He's, he did season eight, and now they're doing season nine. Fuck, so connected. Uh, but originally, Bubby ended in season six because the network canceled it, and they realized they canceled it. <laughs> you know, I, I can think of another thing that they did with Josh Sweden, greatest sci-fi of all time. Oh God, Firefly and Firefly. Yeah, fuck you, Fox. That's right. The, the Dave Ferguson says, fuck you, Fox. Okay, so for my last thing that I've been watching is I've been going back through the Hellraiser series. The movies? Yeah. What is me your horror kid right now? I love horror movies, but it's, it is also... Yeah, well, to be fair, I did skip the first movie. I, the second movie is my favorite. I will give you that. It's the same second movie, but for me, like, the first movie... Well, especially because it's so a debut. Yeah, yeah, I mean... directorial debut movie. Yeah, but the, the second one, it's a pinhead, right? Right. So the second one I started watching, and it actually gives you pretty good cut and dry recap of the first movie, like the, the very last event. So it gives you a good thing. So it's a great jumping off point. It's direct one too. Yeah, it's a direct sequel. It happens the next day or later that night. Um, kind of like I Halloween. Hate I hate that they. Well, no, no, it's actually following. 
well, I mean, it's I mean, it's the same time in the characters, and it's like within a year or two, something okay. like that. Yeah, they made it like the next year. Yeah, so I don't like how they 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 and they, 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 they get rid of actually wrote they get rid of okay. aging. Yeah, you know, right. you know that's I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but they, they they do that in TV and they do that in movies when they make sequels, and it's just like, oh yeah, it was just last week, but here we are three years later, right? And you totally look three years older. No, and they look the exact same. Well, okay, well, that's, okay well, that's that's fine. That was the really. But you know what I'm talking about. Well, that's the good part about the movie things like three months later. Yeah. Like it really is. Yeah. When you're when shit and they started again, yeah. it's always like more than they they don't shy away. They're gonna have to do this in Game of Thrones. They're gonna have to give a year long hiatus for to let George R. R. Martin finish well, he, he, the winner. Well he has told them what he's gonna do in it so they can make it. So if he's now guys, yeah. yeah, but so he, he's now facing the very real possibility that the season will come out before he finishes the book. Yeah. Which well, is winner is done. Well, he's just cutting the manuscript. Well, um, anyway, no, yeah, anyway, anyway. So Hellraiser two happens like next day. It continues. Even one of the major villains from the first one, one of the major human villains, comes back. Um, it's great. It's dark. It even shows you how Cenobites are made, which are like Pinhead and all that. And it even gives you an origin for Pinhead. Yeah, and you actually get to kind of see more of the. Yeah, you get to see their you get to see their their hell and like some individual hells and it's got really like one of my favorite moments and this is why I liked Pinhead up until kind of some of the later movies is the main device in Hellraiser is a it's called the Lament configuration. It's a puzzle box. They open it, the Cenobites come. It's like it, Pandora's box. So they open yeah. it and everything. But, but, the, 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 but the big thing with the Cenobites has always been they're angels to some, demons to others, but they're about pleasure. Now their pleasure involves chains, ripping flesh off, <laughs> stuff like that, modifying your body to be whatever. Right, is whatever your vice is. And they basically become gods. Now in this movie you learn that they were actually human at one point. Um, they think that they're immortal, but they were human at one point, like he was a World War II soldier. So I started watching that. First horror movie that I legitimately sat down and gone, I am not going to show my son this. <laughs> Until he's like, Saint? I wish I was saying. I was saying. I, I, I thought like 17, 19 was coming. He's like, I didn't even watch the whole reason movie until I was 17. I, I was watching him like when I was 11. He's like, I, you know, well, I, just, I can't yeah. really. I won't like make horror. any excuses for you because <laughs> my son was exposed to Gears of War at three. Yeah. And like 10 months. Until I wrote until uh, watching the. Uh, Oh, of course. So, and that was a terrible. Yeah, those are yeah. horror movies. Oh yeah, they are. If you watch the if you watch the first one, the first one is full horror. There's even a moment, that, and it was completely horrifying to the real quick, where they're cutting off the limbs of them, and they cut right here, so there's a little bit of flesh still holding on well, the foot. Tree raves. Let, yeah. let me ask you your definition of horror. When I think horror, I think scary. Well, and Evil Dead One was doing that. I, I know. It, it, it can also be body, it can also be body horror. It can be what we played earlier. That's horror. That scared the shit out of you, and it did it by immersing you and pulling you in. Whereas I felt like things like Evil Dead or Day of the Dead or any kind of dead you can think of, it's not necessarily scary. It's a there, fucked up scenario that they're in. And they have to. It really just depends. Like, um, I have a horror Jesus. section. Well, every everyone has. Like, technically, suspense and thrillers could be put under horror, but it really depends on what level of horror you're wanting to go towards. And, and I, think, I don't think Sam Raimi would not consider Evil Dead, even, even though sometimes it is, can be, and it is a satire in some way. Uh, I mean, he would consider it to be horror. You know, 
Now, now with Hellraiser, the thing about those is, you know, like one of the early things you see on there is a guy who has his soul open because they're doing brain surgery on him, and it's just and sticking um like I can't remember if it's just like a needle in there or if it's actually burning away bits of the brain to you know yeah, and I was like, I'm not gonna show, I'm not gonna show this to my uh, you know two year old. I'm gonna wait till he's eight or ten or something like that. You know, we'll be fine at that point. Can actually comprehend what's happening. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going to show it to him. Well, I don't want to show. Night. I don't want to show him at six. I mean, I watched Arachnophobia when I was seven, and yet now I have a oh. lifelong fear of spiders, and that's a campy ass movie. Well, really? Arachnophobia did it for you. Yeah, I'm seven. <laughs> Arachnophobia is horrible. I mean, that fucking spider flying at him—that's on fire. So we should try to find a 3D version of it I was and put it on Justin's giant 12 foot by 8 foot screen and years old and strap him down you know. and then make him watch it. Oh, I, I, I've, watched, I've watched it several times. I'm fine. <laughs> it took me like watching eight like it's like eight times to realize that it was they were making funny like yeah like little, little voices each time they were attacking somebody because I had it on but I wasn't watching it. <laughs> so um, real Daniels was a record Yeah, he was. So. So Hellraiser, yeah, he's the he's the um, exterminator, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so the um, so Hellraiser two is the night afterwards. It's her like in an insane asylum, and you find out that the guy who runs the insane asylum is, has been obsessed with these Cenobites. So he, my favorite moment comes, and it's what I like Cinobites? so much. Cenobites. Cenobites. Okay. Yes. So I just think Cenobites. I'm thinking. Well, it's Cinobite. like it's it's well, it's like graboids from Tremors. Okay. Okay. No, okay. Yeah, that, that yeah. sort of thing. Okay. Um, but he's obsessed with these creatures. And he uses this little girl who's basically autistic because, or not autistic, but she's kind of inverted because he killed her mother. But he's she opens she does puzzles all day, so he gives her the box and she opens it, so everything opens up and these cinnabites come out and they're deformed, crazy looking creatures. How big is said box? By the way, um, about that big, like a Rubik's cube. Yeah, but, it's, but it has like all these strange markings and odd configurations and stuff. It's a it's a mess, and it opens and it's loose and ways. Yeah, here's what the looks like. Okay, and you so, actually get a really cool shot if I remember right in the second one where you see the hell. And you could see that it's still Oh, huge. nice. Yeah. I, did, I didn't pay attention close enough on there, but the doors, the walls open up and blue light forms out, and the Cenobites come in. And before they attack this girl, Pinhead comes in and says, No, um, it is not hands that call us, but desire. So she's completely innocent, and he's not going to take her because it's this other guy who wants them. You know, she right. was just the hands that did it. Right. And it's like, okay, that perfectly encapsulates what this series is about. Sure. Now, the third one, because of events in two, he gets separated from his humanity. So Pinhead becomes the laughing, maniacal villain who at one point shoves pins from his head into his hands and does the whole crucifixion thing in front of a priest. It's worth watching alone. Is right. that? No. So the fourth one, I had rated a one out of five stars on Netflix. I went back and watched it. It's two out of so I did upgrade a little bit. I just really, really hate Adam Scott. Um, no, he's an actor in there. I'll pull up a picture while I'm talking. Anyway, that we one... We can do that now. We can do those things. Anyway, so um, it's this guy. Dushy McDushalize. Yeah. Um, everything he's in, you hate Everything he's in. And uh, Set Brothers, douchebag. Yeah, yeah. So so in this... Secret Wife of Wall 
Walter Mitty, great film, watching <laughs> douchebag. He this time he's a seventeen seventeenth century douchebag. So anyway, so it takes place in the future. Weren't they all douchebags. It takes place in space, and then it takes place in seventeenth century, and then it takes place in present day. Sounds off. It is. Even the Cenobites. You didn't use two out of five. I did. Two? It got better. One out of five is I hated this and wanted to die. I watched it again. It was it was I really didn't like it, but it was you better than I remember. I would give it movies that like I'm like that was that crap, but it wasn't that bad. Two out of five because because I know it, 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 my cue. It, it, it upgraded. It upgraded. It was better than I remember. So that's that's all I'm saying. So where is so what you just said? Don't be a clown. Well, it, 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 well, it, it, like, that's, there's, that's there's, a really you got, storyline that like you got turned off stars for me. You got you got negative fucks given. <laughs> that's the that's absolutely the, no love. So, so 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 here's the thing. Fucks were given. So that's, here's the thing. With so the fourth one it ends like in 2200 AD in a space station that the person has made into a. Um, a version of the cube that traps all the Cenobites in there and destroys permanently. However, <laughs> no, no. However, the next move all happen now, so they happen in our time. So it doesn't happen. Yes, yeah, so you've got another two hundred years of Cenobites, uh, possibly. So here's where things get interesting. Will they, will they create a, a, a sentient race of machines? Nine. Will they, will they create a sentient so, so, race of machines? So, so anyway, that here's go the, back in time. <laughs> Well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's where things get. So everyone up to this point has been person open the box, or you know, people are obsessed. There's demons. There's hell. But they open the box. The Cenobites come. Cenobites become the big baddies. They're sent back at some point, but they come the right. You know, this whole sort of thing. This one becomes interesting because it's about a detective who has a bunch of vices who is following this case where a bunch of people have been slaughtered and the box is there. But he's having dreams with Cenobites in them and is being like, there's this killer who has the, the, you know, no eyes but has this long tongue and he cuts off the fingers of his victims and then licks it and, you know, burns off the fingerprint of, you know, all this stuff. So he's trying to tell you Yeah, and he's, he's following all the clues of this as things get more and more distorted. Spoilers, at the end, you realize he's actually in his own hell that he created. And Pinhead shows up for the last, like, five minutes of actually more... It's, um, that one's Inferno. Yeah, that one's pretty good. I think I remember seeing Um Now, the sixth one kind of continues on that trend, but they bring Kirsty back from one and two. She was the... She You're was saying Kirsty Alley or... No, no, that's, that's the actress name. They would be playing their own but, but it's But she is playing her character. It's not... Yeah, like, like, no, in, in New Nightmare, she no, is... No, I'm talking about how, you know... Yeah. How through... It's the same oh, yeah. kid. Yeah, it's the same little well, well, no, it changes throughout, but well, she, she, she shows up in three. One, two, and four. She's not in two. Two is the one where it's um the it's the boy who's being taken over. It's very three is the one, one and then and four. four. Yeah. So so they do kind of do that, but the main character is her husband, um, and they can't find Kirsty's body. And you kind of learn throughout that he was trying, he had made a plot to kill her for her insurance or something like that, and had given her box at one point, to which she freaks the fuck out because she knows what that box is. Um, but again, basically you find out that it, he is on personal hell. The twist on it is is that Kirsty made a deal with the Cenobites again and offered to give him five, give five souls, to which the husband was the last soul. 
and so she has escaped the Cenobites again. Um, after that, it's a great, great nose dive. I'm on, I'm on six right now. I haven't finished it. I haven't ever watched it before. I'm on seven right now. So I haven't watched that one. That one's Hell World or Debtor. Debtor is it? And it's about a cult that is able to do that, like, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And then there's a video game version one. And then there's one called Revelation, which I have watched, which I haven't watched it recently, but just to go real quick, they did not get Doug Bradley yet. It was actually a completely different script that they just shoehorned pinhead into but it's basically a bunch of kids in mexico open up the box and it's like a really bad soap opera movie but then pinhead shows up and kills everybody and so everything's okay <laughs> everyone dying ends in okay yeah, yeah it, it's, that's the problem the longer a series yeah is, on, is the more likely you're where okay with like comic books and even with novels, a lot of times, even if there's a long, 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 long story that goes on and on and on for years and decades, and usually you'll have new writers, new artists, and new people bringing on their own vision, their own take. Right. Where That's okay. In Hollywood, they just go, oh, there's a script laying well, on this movie. That's, yeah. Or there, here's a spec. Let's just shove Pinhead up in there. What's that? What's that? <laughs> it's, it's Pinhead into the movie. Crazy, crazy. No idea. Also, if you ever go back and watch the first season of CSI, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of scripts to other TV shows. I hate CSI. You can't ever convince. There's like, there's obviously like, this is this was a which, by the way, that's Adam Scott in Hellraiser Four. <laughs> That face says everything. Okay, and uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, do you remember? Uh, forgetting to give scene. Oh, yeah, I've okay, seen you remember the guy who he was talking to, like his brother or his wife's or his sister's husband? Yeah. He's in uh, one of the Comedy Central roasts, and he's the he's the president of Hollywood, and he's like this old, you should put it up on YouTube, and then uh, I don't know how bad feedback works with that. <laughs> I, um, yeah, well, we can always pause. Yeah. This, this will be the end of this segment, and we will pause this and look at this and... Tentatively titled Nerdatois, because I had to say it like that. Let me smoke the picture on this Okay, see, there we go. Dun, 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 dun. I'm sorry, because you sounded just like Talbot from season three. We just did a thing, we just. You guys don't see that? is going to be um, three best scenes from movies. Um, each week, we're going to introduce a new topic, or each podcast, I guess I should say, because right now we're looking at doing this every two weeks if we can, you know, swing it. Definitely monthly, maybe every three weeks, hopefully every two weeks. And in Twice the, a month. And, 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 and at the very end of it all, every single week, 
every other day and then every day and then live stream 24 7. I think this can work. So, anyway. So, what we'll do every single week with or every single podcast, fuck, is um, we will fuck every single podcast. <laughs> we will literally fuck it. We will insert ourselves into the digital medium and fuck it. Okay, I don't feel comfortable with that. You're going, Nathan. We're finally It doesn't count, it's digital. It's not gay if it's nerd. Yeah, exactly true. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Across all sorts of lines and offended so many people in. In 30 seconds, that was amazing. So it's top three scenes. Each of us will choose and make a list of three scenes on a topic for for best three scenes in movies. And then uh, we will go round-robin style um, introducing each one. When we actually have these, we'll go into it. You'll, you'll pick it up. You'll be good. Yeah. So introducing our first topic for this will be Dave Ferguson. What is our first topic? I don't remember. <laughs> what did I say? Kevin Smith movies. So it's the best I, top three scenes in Kevin Smith. Okay, my favorite top three. No, no, we're not going to do them right now. Okay, we're not. So that's what we're going to do next. Right. Next time. Okay. So what are we doing right now? You're just introducing the topic. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's delirium in here. It's hot, and there's no air. Mm-hmm. So, um, so basically, <laughs> take your favorite Smith film. No, top, that's just top three. Well, it's your topic, so you can do whatever you want. No, I don't want to. Can I, can I touch just the tip? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just, I mean, I don't know. Take your favorite Kevin Smith film. Mine's going to be Gotham. I win, since I go first. Or I will defer if you would prefer Gotham. Because I would go with Chasing Amy. Yeah, I will go with it. And you will go with... Ah, uh, fuck. Tusk. That's too soon. Well, fund your brain. Well, I, I was telling Nathan the other day, um, probably my other one, it would be Zach and Mary. Okay. That's great, because that one is hilarious. Okay. So, so top three scenes, I mean, each, uh, each has our own film, and we pick our top, our top three scenes. Okay, so, um, we will be back in hopefully two weeks. Um, well, whenever we get back, uh, we will have that list. And um, then we will move on to a new topic, and every week we will have a new topic, or every podcast fuck, we will... Um, <laughs> every podcast fuck. Every, <laughs> every podcast. That's actually what this is called. This is podcast fuck number one. <laughs> <laughs> the next one will be big round asses podcast fuck two. <laughs> Explicit tag is achieved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, eventually we'll get to movies without... Yeah. Well, I mean, you could go and you could say what's your favorite three things in said book or said book. Uh, but, but, uh, I was kind of hoping we could, we could have a brief, maybe ten minutes of what you're excited about. I mean, Interstellar's off the table. We all are excited for Interstellar. Yeah. What's that solid part the, the final trailer? I, I have not seen it. I am yeah. not going to watch it. I, I saw the one with some planet on there, and I was not happy. Well, it, it actually, I, I was more excited. Yeah, this is the last one. I was, I was like, you know what? I saw True, well, I, I saw, I saw True, True Detective. Detective. I love Matthew McConaughey now. I want to have his man children. <laughs> so it's by far the best, uh, the best character in Russell. Russell Crowe is one of, yeah, one of the most well-developed characters in all of the 
So what, what? So what's your take on the Palazzo quote unquote plagiarizing that character? I I, my concept of that, my thought on that is, well, what nihilist doesn't think this way? Well, but the, also the other thing is, is, there was there was one book that he's that Richard said it in an interview where it's like most of the concepts I got that he it's not just from there. There's there's concepts going that yes. he's telling you read Grant Morrison comic books. You can obviously tell he's he's very he's a very well read writer because he he's taking bits and pieces. So my my, my personal thing is you yeah, know, take you it from the resident author who's got four complete words. Well, my thing on there is, is you know, if you look at the quotes, there's definitely some a lot of similarities there, and he may have left him a wholesale on there. But for me. I, on my website, um, which is where this podcast will be mainly hosted on, uh, justindheard.net, and that's a herd like a herd of cattle. Fuck me. Um, anyway. She gets you a pin. Anyway, for me, I can post an idea. I can post an idea from any one of my novels, tell you, hey, Dave, run with this. You're going to go somewhere completely fucking different than I would. So, you know, he may have taken a lot of small inspiration from stuff, but the collective whole is... so interesting about True Detective. So this last segment is actually True Detective Theater. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, the thing I find so interesting about True Detective is that it's... You brought a man I know. Robert, um, it's... What is it? It's, It's referencing, obviously, Lovecraft and Robert W. Chambers' work. But in the universe that they're showing is real world, but, but it, it, that stuff doesn't exist. Yeah. Because um, I've run into this problem with one of my novels. I won't get into that. But the thing is, is if that stuff exists and is real, that be, creates a different 
um, idea for them because all the stuff they were playing on with like him having the spaghetti face and all that stuff that's Cthulhu that's yeah. that's those elder gods and that's the thing they were playing on for so much of it and it I even brings that he was actually reading H.P. Lovecraft researching this guy in the show but, like that. But, but, the, but the problem is is that they have the Yellow King but they don't connect Carcosa or any of the quotes that different people have or that this person had this tattoo which would link to this and this or this that stuff doesn't the Robert W. Chambers at least original stuff doesn't exist in this universe because, because even even there's a direct quote you know yeah the only thing it would have been great to hear because I, I uh, when I found out that it was based on the series of horror so I started reading it's very interesting the very first uh, story of the right. okay, is a revisionist History. history of the early 19th century. Which is interesting because they still have the Great War in the 1930s. Yeah. From, you know... And this is written in 1898. Yeah, so they have, they have the Germans and, and a World War right about that time. But, but, yeah, I have yeah, no so idea that was what it was. Yeah. Well, they, there are a bunch of different short stories is actually what it is. The quotes from a play never see except this is all People read the play, people read it. They're sending out the yellow sign, which is to um, basically turn everybody on who knows about the play. You read quotes uh, from it, and one little quote is, there is, you know, take off your mask, and those particular... And they they go, no mask! Yeah. And it would have been great to have that full exchange. I can tell you, I can look up right now and say, I've used the phrase to the side 400 times in a 400 page book or something like that. You know, and we live in a world now where people will bust people on big blogs like Gawker and stuff like that for plagiarizing themselves when it's like, dude, he just doesn't have a different way to write that. Also, also the other thing is it's an author using similar because that's what they're obsessed with and that's what they like to write about. Does not mean that they're making that you're that you're stealing someone else's intellectual. Yeah, that's what, yeah. So, so anyway, the, the thing I thought... Um, so this segment turned into True, true Detective Season 2, <laughs> we're most looking forward to it, it is. Um, Casting uh, decisions? Well, it was... Well, they said... Colin Farrell is guaranteed. Yeah. And then they said Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn is guaranteed as the villain. Which I am very... Uh, and it will take place in California in the 1960s. Yeah, I think it was something like that. But, so, well, what I was going to say about true, true Detective Season 1 is, and I, I don't think you ever got to this point about the play, I don't know if you knew this out there, but the the, the, well, the idea the idea about the play is is that if you watch nobody gets through the first act without being driven insane. So, which makes a very interesting theme for True Detective for those of us that know about it because it does seem to play on this supernatural element with the spaghetti face and all that stuff that they are treading into something that will drive them completely insane, which it kind of which did with did. Russ. Yeah, it did with him. Well, that's, that's what's so great. And that's why, as, a, as someone who appreciates the poetry of what, of what of a character arc, uh, 
God damn it. You, okay. Uh, okay, this doesn't ruin anything. He's trying to become president. He is the first president in American history not democratically elected. The plots and ploys and fuck yous that this guy runs gets him to the White House without a single vote being cast. Tell me that is not mind-blowing in the world that you live in now where politics is so polarized and divided that this guy actually becomes president from a congressman, just the majority whip, to president of the United States on a, because... No, no, please say president again. President of the United States. Okay, He becomes president because he got snuck. That is the basis of the show, is it not? Is it not? It, it pretty much is. He gets it's, it's, shit on and is like Kevin and Kevin Spacey is so fine. Robin White, Robin Wright is amazing. Jenny from Force Gump, uh, she's amazing. Uh, Kate Mara, who's uh, related to Rooney Mara, who by the way are the granddaughters of the Rooney and Mara family who own Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Giants. So, in wrapping up, in wrapping up, as far as the really I honestly don't know what's coming out. That's part of the problem of being a father of two children <laughs> under two. Working at a store where you get everything once after it comes out. Yeah, I, I mean, I used to watch trailers all the time. I yeah. fell off of that after. We used to do it. Um, we used to do it. Well, I, 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 yeah, I, I fell off of that after Star Trek Into Darkness. We can talk about that another time. I've got it. I've got it fully loaded. Um, but it's it's the trailer that did that to me. It, it is the trailer. It's not Skyfall, which is what you wanted, which is the basis for next conversation. Okay. So anyway, um, so I, re- I really, I really do not know what's coming out. So I, I'm, I know Big Hero Six is coming out at some point. I thought it was next year, but I guess it's in November. I don't know. So, I mean, that one looks cool. Have you, do you, do you see anything on that? Well, yeah, yeah. The, the art's fantastic. Um, what, what Big Hero 6 is, is Pixar's next movie, but it's based off a of Marvel license. I'll pull it up after we're done here. So, anything else? Okay, in wrapping up, our inaugural first podcast... Hopefully not the penultimate one, because I'm sure we'll get more than two of these out. Um, of the dubious consumers, my name is Justin Hurd. Um, you can find me at justindhurd.net. I'm also on Facebook as, uh, I believe, real Justin D. Hurd. <laughs> and on Twitter at Justin D. Hurd. I wonder if you can find me. Uh, I make silence on Twitter at uh, Nate Wad, uh, I'm Dave Ferguson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at, at IADism. And we will see you guys back in two weeks. Me.